Do you ever wish you could rewind time and go back a decade to relive or even change some things from your past? Like, for instance, spending more time with loved ones that we lost in later years, or choosing a different career path for ourselves, or living healthier sooner, or being able to catch your ex in the act of cheating, and then cheating back with that dime piece from your old job that was really into you at the time and way cuter than your ex was, and then exposing the truth about your ex on MySpace and that new Facebook thing to show everyone that Jessica isn't the angel y'all think she is. <clears throat> oh, wait, wait, no, 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 relax, <laughs> relax. None of that happened to me, no. <laughs> Her name was actually Tiffany. Um, anyway, we're going to travel back in time. Uh, that's what we're going to do. We're going to go back to 2011 for a little revisionist history as Pablo and I share our top 10 games from 2011 in 2021. It was actually a, a pretty banging ass year in gaming, believe it or not, and very influential on games to come. So don't be all like, damn, man, you guys always talk about old shit because the fuck up. All right. That's why. All right. And besides, we are going to talk about some new stuff, too. We are going to talk about Steam Deck. We're going to talk about the Dead Space remake. And we are going to argue a little bit about the X-Defiant announcement from Ubisoft because that shit, mm, I, don't, I don't know, man. So, anyways, lots of old and new stuff to look forward to on this episode. So, stay tuned. It's cool down time. And fuck you, Tiffany. Welcome all to episode 12 of the Cool Down Time Podcast, the podcast where two guys sit around and talk about steamy hot decks while being X-defined in the face of adversity. And when I say adversity, I mean, uh, I just don't know what JRPG I should be playing, okay? <laughs> I just don't know. Hello, everyone. My name is Pablo. With me today is Marco. Marco, what is up? Man, I feel defiant today. I feel defiant. I feel like oh. arguing with you. I feel like having an intense debate where you end up wrong. That's how I feel. I I don't know. I think I think we're gonna end up agreeing in certain aspects. But but before we get into that, and before we get into our loadouts and all that good stuff, a quick reminder: we're going weekly, guys. Uh, the cool Down Time Podcast. We just love hearing ourselves talk. So why not do it every week? Starting what, what's the date again? August August second second every August Monday second. That's what we're every doing. Monday we're yep. gonna be doing this, guys. Or Monday we drop in uh, hot shit. For you guys to ho thunder! <laughs> oh my God, hot That's shit, hot lightning! You understand? That's me? right, right um, on cue. Yeah. Thank you, guy. <laughs> don't forget to follow us on the so. Uh, don't forget to follow us on the socials. Uh, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Cooldown Time Pod. Uh, you can visit our podcast website, which is at cooldowntime.com. We got all the episodes on there. From time to time, Marco posts some blog shit. It's good stuff. So let's go ahead and head right into the show. Let's go into our loadouts. Marco. <laughs> yeah. Us. What, what do you want to talk about first? Why don't we start with Steam Deck? I'm, I'm, I'm kind of excited about this one because I, I, I had a chance to. We were, we were in the middle of playing Rainbow Siege, and um, I, I think you'd been working most of the day. And you really were, I think, just catching up on gaming stuff in between rounds. And so mm -hmm. I, I got a chance to kind of get your live reaction to Steam Deck. So, oh, yeah. um, you know, I, for me, I, I was really, I was more curious about how you were going to react to it, to be honest. Because to me, um, I, I loved what I saw for the most part. I think, I think it's a really, really interesting device that is going to 
be um, really fascinating in terms of how how much of an impact it's going to make in the gaming landscape because it it's really trying to pull Steam and pull that whole realm out of just the PC space and into a space where yeah. console gaming or you know in the case of like Switch type of gaming, uh, damn it's a lot of lightning. Uh, you know, it, it's pulling itself into that space for the, for, for the first time. So. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how well that fits into this type of, of landscape where you have, you know, consoles and all these big three, you know, exclusives that, that they have with the Marios of the world, the Zeldas, the Halos and the God of Wars. And then you have this device coming in, which is bringing, albeit, you know, the Steam OS and, and, and that whole world in with it. But, um, Nothing really, you know, on the exclusive side other than PC-centric games that might get, you know, some yeah. love. But I, I'm curious about where it fits in that space. Because for me, um, I have to be honest, as much as I love what it is as a device and I'm really excited about trying it out for myself at some point, I just don't know where it fits in my in my regimen. Because I have, yeah. I have the Switch, I have a PS5, I have a Series X, and those bases pretty much are, are good enough for me. So anything that I would want to play on the Steam Deck, I probably either already have or would probably prefer to play on uh, you know, a home console because I'm not really much of a portable guy. Never really was. Right. So I you know, I don't think it has much of a benefit for me per se, but I really do root for it because I want something like this to come in and shake up the status quo. You know what I mean? So I, I'm yeah. excited about it. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, you know, um, as a person, and, and you're the same way, who owns all those consoles, including the Nintendo Switch, it's kind of hard for me to go back to the Switch to play games that aren't exclusive to the platform. So even though there's might be a, an exclusive uh, an exclusive indie game on there that might also be on the computer, for example, on the PC, the computer on the PC. Have you, what's that game that just came out? The uh, Monster Hunter Stories? Stories, yeah. Yeah, that's also on PC and it's a Switch exclusive as well in terms of console space. So it, it are things like that that are hard for me to go back to the Switch because the Switch is 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 a great machine that when it released, it was already outdated. You know, I mean, it's where I'm going to play my Mario's, I want to play my Zelda's, Metroid's, all that good stuff. But when it comes to, to exclusive games that are either on that platform or on the PC platform, I see this as a a great piece of equipment. And again, I'm excited for the deck in the sense where I want to dock it because there's going to be a dock for it anyway. Yeah. And my PC right now is, is you know, it's it's not. I have to upgrade my PC. I'm at that time where I have to upgrade it. Uh, and I just, I just feel for the price because I think that uh, Valve is really trying to be competitive in this space. So for me, the most shocking thing, besides the fact that this thing exists, is the pricing of it. Uh, Just, you know, you got a base price at $399 for the 64 gigabytes. Uh, But then really what you want are the the $529 version, which is 256 gigabytes, because that's NVMe SSD, right? And and it's expandable as well. So for me, where it fits in the space, it's just in that in that area it's definitely a luxury item it's not really an essential i think for me as a video game fan i think xbox playstation nintendo those are essential consoles because of the exclusive games that they have and also with the xbox series x and the playstation 5 the power in those consoles are just pretty much kind of a for me just you know they pretty much touch all the bases in terms of what i need exactly uh but I, I still want to be able to to kind of have this because I, I there are games that are uh that, that that come out of nowhere on on steam mm-hmm. uh there are these conversation topics that come out all the time things that we miss 
all the time until they finally come to consoles if they come to consoles and it's just little things little experiences that i'd like to have and which honestly i can have um through my computer but just just to have this this kind of machine and the power that it has i'm really interested i i don't i'm not gonna get a day one because again it's a luxury item it's not something that i need but i i am hard pressed to, to to kind of find myself in a situation where i wouldn't eventually own this thing uh and just kind of like kind of it'd be my thing where i i i, I go through it and 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 maybe at this time I become a kind of like a handheld gamer if that console, if that machine itself works in the way that Nintendo Switch doesn't. Because I, even with the Switch, holding the Switch in hand, I don't, it does not feel good no. at all no. for me. Um, but I mean, if you look at all the specs and everything, it's pretty much comparable to, let's say, an Xbox Series S in terms of the architect. It's a little less powered than, than, the, than the Xbox Series S. Yeah. Uh, but again, it, it, it's one of those things where I'm really looking forward to have those those indie game experiences uh, and those those Steam experiences that you can't really get any anywhere else. Um, yeah, there was a game that came out uh, last year, the year before. It's called Alligator, uh, Alligator something. It's a crime noir like kind of uh, click and uh, point and click adventure game. Okay, uh, and it is a really good game, which I downloaded on Steam. But to have that. Again, just an example of an experience to have that a uh, handheld and be able to play through that game and add to my kind of collection of video games in which you know I, it's my it's my number one hobby. So mm. you know I I think it fits in in a in a luxury kind of slot. I don't think it's essential, but I definitely think it's something that I definitely want to want to get into. Yeah, I think I think the the smartest thing to do is to kind of wait and see yeah. what the games perform like you know when when it's out there and people can experiment with it how well it performs when people uh replace the steam os with windows and see how that yeah. affects the way that it performs and, and and that's another thing right there yeah. game pass on it right right so th- yeah. there's a lot of interesting nuances to it that I'd rather wait and see about before I would commit yeah. that much money to it to be honest and i think the other thing is you guys got to see how the games look because what i don't want to do yeah. is i don't want to I don't want to have the same problem that I have with PC games where, and this is why I don't play a lot of PC games at all, because I don't want to sit in the menus and, and choose between low graphic settings and medium graphic settings. And do I want mm-hmm. anti-aliasing on or off and to just constantly be fiddling with the menus to run the game as fluidly as possible while looking as good as possible. Like I don't want to have to make those decisions. So I'm hoping that yeah. the games that are available to play via Steam OS are, are already kind of, I guess, pre-optimized for the device so that you don't have to yeah. think about it. You know what I mean? Because that would be really annoying to stop and have to go, well, okay, what's everybody on Reddit say I should run it as? And then you have to go do research and turn this off, turn this to low, turn shadows to high. Like, I don't want that yeah. problem. So I'd rather just wait and see. But yeah, it's still exciting. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how it does. Yeah, and that would be that would be really uh, that'd be a really cool thing if they come optimized. I, I if if they're being aggressive with the pricing, if they want to be a contender in the portable video game market, I am gonna I'm gonna take a guess and, and say that these games will be optimized for it because it would be a real pain in the fucking ass to have this handheld system and then have to optimize it specific to this thing. Right. It, I, I just don't see it. I, I, I don't see how they would actually uh, be able to do that and it just not be that convenient, especially with the pricing. The pricing is a thing because 
Dave Newell was on IGN. IGN had the exclusive kind of um, reveal about this. And he said he was surprised as to how aggressive he felt he needed to get for pricing. Because when you look at this $400 system, if you get these same specs on a laptop, it's about $800, $900. just going to say that. Yep. Yeah, so it's 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 aggressive because I think he wants to get into that market. It's a very wealthy company. They they can afford to uh, they can afford to basically uh, lose on the hardware and gain in the ecosystem, right. which is kind of what they what they want to do. Um, you know, I, I, I'm super I, I'm super interested in in kind of like the future of this device. Will it be like? Will it be in the future? Will it be you know Nintendo Switch and this? You know, like are those get because again. When you look at everything, and, and, and Valve has said uh, just just yesterday, I think a report, a report came out. They have not found a game yet that this thing can't run. So basically, everything in their system right now in their Steam library can run uh, on this thing. Obviously, with varying degrees of, of, of fidelity. Exactly. Uh, yeah. But they were clear that 720p this system can do without issue. Yeah, the the max resolution is eight hundred uh, p. I yes. think it, it is what it is. But seven twenty p. They said they could run it without issue on everything that they currently have on this. So that that's mm-hmm. promising. That's a that's a that's a really big thing to have to claim. If you know, so I, I I'm super interested in this. Um, I think I'm more interested and more like hype about it from just a conceptual thing, right? Just a, yeah, because I you know Valve is a huge company game developer weird they're like a amalgamation of, a, of of just kind of like a general video game fucking company right they'll just do any but they have history with the steam uh machines yep. right those yep. uh did not do well nope. because of pricing <laughs> Pri- pricing yeah. was an issue they were like 900 dollars out the gate and the steam control which was kind of like uh, that was like a weird weird concept that should have probably never came yeah. out I, I i don't know if anybody that really is like oh steam control some of the one of the best i controls swear ever. by it yeah no i don't yeah, see that at all no. so so we'll see I, I i'm definitely interested in this conceptually uh I, hopefully when it does come out it, it's a banger and and I, I i see a future where if this is a real legit thing me and you'll probably have one yeah and, i, I definitely don't it. think it'll the good news is i don't think it'll be dead on arrival that's the good news. It's like it's right. already got pricing. It you know, just, yeah, yeah. But speaking of dead, uh, mm. Segway City, because uh, we're taking this next to the uh, the announcement from EA Play uh, that Dead Space is coming back, and it's coming back with a remake slash reimagining of uh, the original game with uh, what sounds like some bits and pieces kind of pulled from yeah. um, you know the other games as well. Uh, to sort of restart, reboot, refresh, revitalize, whatever re-word you want to throw in there for uh, this franchise. And um, Pablo, I, I have to say, I've never loved Dead Space, uh, to be honest. And I'm I'm a horror guy. I'm, I'm, I think I'm definitely more of a horror guy than you uh, with Silent Hill, yeah, Resident Evil. Yeah, and for, yeah. for whatever reason, I, I, I tried. I really tried with Dead yeah. Space uh, when it first came out. And, um, and I know I, I have, uh, you know, a couple of friends of the show that, that love Dead Space, swear by it, yourself included, um, yeah. that, that just, you know, it was just this and that and amazing and, and so unsettling and scary and, and challenging and all this stuff. I played it and I'm like, I, fine, fine. I, I, you know what I think it is? I think I have an aversion to sci-fi enemy creatures for some reason. Okay, yeah. I, I just, it, they always look hokey to me. I don't know if, I, if there's any... Anything except like Alien, like the movie Alien franchise, like that yeah. kind of stuff, or Predator. 
where I would like genuinely be like, that's fucking scary. That's unsettling. That's creepy. The, a lot of stuff that we see nowadays, and I think Dead Space did this with some enemies, was there was a lot of tentacle looking shit. And, you know, of course they got, you know, sharp teeth and crazy looking eyes or a million eyes and just stuff like that. Um, yeah. So it was really hard for me to, to buy in to this, to this world, to the whole setting of the game, the whole premise of the game. Um, but that said, I'm actually really looking forward to this because I want to give this franchise another fair shake. And I want to see what, what they do to kind of modernize it, what they do to kind of reevaluate some of the things that come from the original uh, trilogy and, and what they kind of refresh to make it more, uh, I don't want to say palatable for for new modern gamers, but just what makes it up to speed with what horror is like in the gaming space now. Because I think that the, the industry has stepped up a lot. You've seen Resident Evil evolve. Um, you know, I mean, this the reason this exists is beca- let's be honest, it's because, because of Resident yeah, Evil. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I want to see not just how well it's remade, but I want to see what it does to sort of. Um, justify why it's coming back instead of just being about because Resident Evil is great and let's come back too. You know what I mean? So I'm excited, but what do you think? Yeah, look, uh, EA killed this franchise with uh, Dead Space 3. I mean, absolutely fucking took it out back, shot it in the head. They they thought that for, you know, this is like at the heyday of microtransactions and, 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 and having the ability to play co-op and, and just kind of, you know, they really thought that they had something going with, with Dead Space 3 and how they were going to monetize the shit out of it and then still have the Dead Space kind of, you know, theme going on. Dead Space, Dead Space 3 was fucking horrible. However, it closed out the franchise, the trilogy. Uh, so, you know, it leaves a bad taste in everybody's mouth when you talk about Dead Space. Uh, I think f- this is a necessary kind of remake because it needs to reintroduce this franchise to people like yourself who probably didn't give it a chance or people who never played it. You know, honestly, a lot of young uh, gamers out there of age now that that, that might be, be into this. Uh, I would love to see a proper kind of continuation of the story. Uh, so I love the fact that they're doing this. I love the fact that it is a reboot, uh, kind of reimagining, if that's the case. Uh, I don't know how much, I don't know if it's going to be uh, features-based or it's going to be story-based, uh, but I'm really looking forward uh, forward to this. I mean, Dead Space 2 is one of those games that when it came out, it was like a fucking a graphical showcasing. It was just like, it, it blew people out of the water for like a really and long time. And it had time. a really high budget too, didn't it? Like it was yeah. pretty insane. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, Dead Space 2, I, if I'm not mistaken, uh, I was talking to you about that. I think even now with inflation and everything, it is the 10th most expensive game of all time in terms of development and marketing. Yeah. Um, but I mean, then at the time, I mean, I could see it. I mean, it was just like they put everything into it. Now, in terms of like the people who've, who've leaked this before, they've already said that this game is going to try to do the same thing that 2 did in terms of it being like a graphical, like kind of like it's just a thing when you think about next gen. Um, and then we'll see. Uh, I mean, the other question is when? When is this fucking thing coming? Uh, I know that uh, they're saying that this year we're going to know a lot more information. Uh, some are saying maybe next year this game is coming. But we'll see. I mean, they, they barely showed anything in, in the in the, <laughs> the, rest uh, of the reveal. I don't know if that's because... Yeah. yeah. 
I don't know if because they didn't have shit or because they're they're saving that for later on uh, in the year. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. I mean, we'll see. Uh, but I am super excited for this. I love that space. Uh, I'll talk about it a little later because I think it's going to come up later. Okay. Um, uh, on the on the show, but uh, yeah. That space is great. I'm happy it's back. All right. All right. Yeah. I mean, we agree there. And that's the last time we're going to agree for the next 10 minutes uh, (laughs) because we got to talk about uh, Ubisoft's announcement of X Defiant. So according to, uh, you know, everything that we've seen so far, uh, it it looks to be it it looks to be a lot of things. And and I'll get into that more in a a second. Um, But, you know, it looks to be a free to play, you know, multiplayer shooter that takes a lot of elements from, you know, Call of Duty to, uh, you know, Overwatch to, a, you know, a, a lot of other things, really. Um, and uh, there's no news on when it's going to come out. Um, according to the, the the video that they released on YouTube, it is early-ish in development. It was hard to get a feel for just how early or, or, or how far along yeah. it is. It was hard to tell. Because they have a beta. Yeah, I, I, I don't get it. Which is, you know, yeah. usually alpha would be, but apparently it's a beta. Yeah, and, and you know, they, they seemed very determined to, like, really push, like, hey, we want your feedback about this as we go. So it was hard to tell what's still kind of up in the air about this game that they're going to want feedback for, or if it's just a matter of, hey, we're just saying that to say that, and play the beta, let's test it out and see how it goes. I, I don't know. Um, but, you know, do you, do you want to jump in first and kind of give your thoughts? Yeah, let me. Okay. Let me let me go first because I, I don't want to cross our wires here because we might be agree we might agree on some things. We'll see. Uh, because I I so for me I think you can and absolutely should be critical of Ubisoft for yet another attempt at a live service game. I mean, it's a clear indication that they are at this point creatively bankrupt. I mean, they don't they don't and obviously for me they're focusing on maximizing dollars. But my thing with this whole thing. Uh, like the announcement and people kind of like opinion on it is the whole Ubisoft is ruining the Tom Clancy name type thing. Like, because let's be clear, there's nothing precious about Tom Clancy for me. Uh, you can make the argument that X Defiant lines up with Tom Clancy, Tom Clancy's, Tom Clancy's actual vision of basically whoring out your IP to anyone who has who has money because that's what Tom Clancy did. Tom Clancy sold his IP to, to Ubisoft, I think in 2003, and none of, like, for example, Splinter Cell and and uh, and I think even Graw, none of that comes from Tom Clancy's mind. That's all Ubisoft developed. You know, all that stuff came from Ubisoft. Uh, and the reality is, is those games are just, are, 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 are come directly from Ubisoft division, and I don't think that, you know, people talking about this doesn't feel like a like a Tom Clancy game. I, I I don't understand that they they're the ones that created this. I mean, you got Splinter Cell Conviction, which you know that's an action heavy game compared to the other kind of Splinter Cell games. And ultimately, for me, uh, uh, with this newfound appreciation for Siege, I tend to lean on trusting Ubisoft to at least try to make X Defiant work. I mean, they are motivated by money, sure, but I think that comes with the added pressure of making sure that this is good. If not, this whole thing will, will die. Their whole money kind of like the thing they want to do with this in terms of making money. Uh, I would rather, of course, see a Splinter Cell game. Oh, yeah. Or that's, an original, yeah, absolutely. original tr- you know, traditional Ghost Recon game. But X Defiant isn't taking place 
for those games. Like they they weren't making a Splinter Cell game. Like oh, let's just turn this into X De- Defiant. They just aren't interested in making those games, and I think I hate them for it. I, I hate uh, Ubisoft for for ignoring those franchises. But for me, I, I'd sit here and say that Tom Clancy this is not what Tom Clancy wanted. It's a bit ridiculous because uh, he had no say in in, in the whole beginning of it. I, I don't think for me, Tom Clancy isn't a vibe or isn't a t- style of game anymore. It's 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 kind of like a crossover of things. I, I think the Tom Clancy name ha- has to do with you know the division. Splinter Cell, uh, Rainbow Six, and, and putting all this into a game in terms of X Defiant, having those kind of uh, groups in the game, I think that you can call this game Tom Clancy's whatever because it has those groups from each of those games from each of the franchises. So, I mean, the question the question that people ask all the time is, who is this for? Why is this being made? Who is this for? But the same thing could be said for Rainbow Six Siege. When Rainbow Six Siege came out and dropped the entire single player uh, campaign, and it was multiplayer only, you know, after Patriots, the Rainbow Six Patriots got canceled, uh, nobody wanted this. Nobody wanted Siege. Everybody was like, who is this for? Like, why would they do- take the Rainbow Six game after Vegas 1 and 2 being incredible hits and 3, Rainbow Six 3 and 4 being awesome? Uh, why would they take that and strip the thing that people love about it? And look, Siege is, we love Siege. I mean, you know, we're primarily single player guys and we love Siege. I, I basically, what it boils down to, I understand the hate for Ubisoft and their attempt to do this. I don't understand the, the explicit hate about X Defiant as a game itself because if anything, this could be good, this could be bad, but ultimately, if they want this to work, they're going to put work behind it. And so that, that's kind of where I stand. I mean, I am almost certain if you took, what's that Battle Royale that Ubisoft had? That was, Hyperscape? It's pretty much dead now. Hi, if you call Tom Clancy's Hyperscape, it would have a lot longer legs than, what, than it had now, just because of the brand recognition. So that's kind of that's where I'm at with it. Okay, so let me, let me kind of give an overview of my opinion really fast and then I'm going to kind of put you in a scenario with me. So as far as the game itself, I think that the game to me looks unremarkable. I don't think that it looks bad. I don't think that it looks amazing. I think it looks unremarkable. The problem for me with this game is not the game. The problem is in the pitch. The pitch is the problem. And here's here's why. So let's say let, let's start with the Tom Clancy argument, right? Let's say, and, and I want to preface this, and I, I hinted this was going to be one of my arguments with you, but I want to preface this by saying I'm not comparing the works of these two authors as in that they're both just as good because one is leaps and bounds better than the other. Okay, so let's say that I'm a huge Tom Clancy fan. I love all his novels. I love all of his work. Pablo is a fan of Lord of the Rings. He loves Tolkien. He loves all that universe, all that work. And let's say, you know, um, okay, both of the authors have passed away, and so their license, their IP has been, you know, given out to, you know, make movies and obviously make video games, right? So everything seems to be going fine with, the, with you know, both of those licenses. Uh, and then the newest Lord of the Rings game gets announced, and it's described as a punk rock mosh pit. Pablo's going to be pissed. As a Lord of the Rings fan, Pablo's going to go, what the fuck? A punk rock mosh pit. Really? For Lord of the Rings. Makes no sense to me. Tom Clancy's next game gets called a punk rock mosh pit. Tom Clancy's games are about politics, espionage, military, you know, all that kind of government conspiracy stuff. But the next game is a punk rock mosh pit. 
How am I as a Tom Clancy fan supposed to feel? I'm going to feel pretty confused. Now, I've I've maintained this stance personally. Now, when 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 Extraction got announced, when Rainbow Six Extraction got announced, one of the first things I said was, why is this? Why are they going sci-fi? This doesn't make sense for a Tom Clancy game. And I think there was some confusion from fans um, of the Tom Clancy games that was like, wait, this is strange. But it was acceptable because it was like, okay, maybe there's, you know, they're going for a sci-fi type of fiction with the Tom Clancy, the Tom Clancy in, in the spirit of a Tom Clancy game, but in a sci-fi setting or, in, you know, some other type of setting. This is going in a punk rock mosh pit direction, according to the, the, you know, the two guys that were on stage. I don't remember what their names were. Um, so I think from that standpoint, you know, if you care about a franchise or if you associate a franchise with one thing, even if, even if Tom Clancy games are not the most precious, uh, or his work is not the most precious, or even if he himself is not the greatest person in the world, um, the work itself, I think, was Splinter Cell, Ghost Recon. The division goes, you know, all, all those franchises, and then going into this, and then describing it as that as a pitch. I think that was an incorrect thing to do because what I think it was for, and this gets into more of the game stuff. I think the punk rock mosh pit comment they made to me is a very elaborate excuse to make the game silly enough to sell emotes. I hate to say that as a starting point because it sounds like well, that's that's your big point but i think that's what it is but that that's exactly what it is yeah, yeah. And, and, they, and literally yeah, a part of the yeah, of the trailer sure. is an actual emote of, of a guy doing like that with his hands or, that bullshit yeah, yeah it's like okay so now i understand why you're doing it from that perspective it can't be military because military does not have a place for emotes and in weird clown costumes that are also in the game too right now we talk about the more the rest of the pitch they say quote they say quote realistic gunplay Pablo, four seconds later into this trailer, there's a shotgun that shoots lightning. Yeah. Okay. Authentic weapons and attachments is another thing that they said in this trailer. Bubble shields, fireflies, swirly attack things that like swirled around a guy and then, and then he just dropped dead. Okay. There's nothing authentic about that stuff. So what, where, where are you trying to take me with that? Now, some people could say, okay, you're, you're kind of splitting hairs a little bit. I'm not telling them to tell me that the guns are authentic. I'm not telling them to tell me that the, the, the gunplay is realistic. I'm watching what they're showing me and comparing it to what they're telling me. And I'm saying, this is the wrong pitch. And, and it was around that point when I was watching this, when I said to myself, they shouldn't have even said shit. It should have just been a trailer of the gameplay and with no one talking. There shouldn't have been those two dudes at all, right? Um, I'm almost done. I'm almost done. So then the guns themselves, oh. authentic, but lacked any recoil whatsoever. <laughs> Go back and watch no. it. No recoil at all. Um, and and I think just overall, it felt like, and I alluded to this in the beginning, it felt like every shooter from the last like four or five years thrown into a blender and then just kind of passed down to us and say, here you go. It's everything you like. But it just doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel right because it doesn't feel like a sensible use of the Tom Clancy license, which going back to that one more time, why even call it a Tom Clancy game? Just because it has this echelon right. group and wolves from this and this and this, it, you don't need it anymore. You clearly don't. You, you're clearly not being faithful to it. So just leave it out. Call it X Defiant and and just do your when thing. I, yeah. So if but they wanted that branding on it for a reason, and I think it's because the word X Defiant by itself and what the game was didn't may not have felt like it 
fit the universe well enough. So they had to put that name on it. And I just don't get it. I think I think the game might be fine. It might be a blast to try out. Who knows? I mean, it's free anyway. But I just think that the way that they rolled this out and explained this to us was inconsistent. Um, it's inconsistent for the branding of Tom Clancy. It's inconsistent in terms of what the game was when they showed it to us and what to expect out of it in terms of like, when are we going to play this? How far along is this? Why do we need to see this right now um, when it comes to their their catalog uh, of games? So that that's kind of where I'm at with it. Yeah, see, I think you're stuck on the whole kind of uh, faithfulness of Tom Clancy. When you look at Division, it's about a virus that kills the entire uh, population. That's not very Tom Clancy-esque. Two, you're looking at stuff like uh, Ghost Recon had the Predator in it as DLC, like, and this was, like, years ago, like, these things have been, maybe slowly, but steadily, definitely getting a lot more stupid, I mean, if you look at Siege, and the costumes, like, I I just bought an Ash uh, costume where she's at the beach, like, this is, it's, it's slowly becoming a thing where it's not, it hasn't been faithful to the Tom Clancy brand for years, for many, many years, and I I honestly think when you look at things like, um, when you, when they said, oh, uh, realistic weapons. I think what they're trying to do there is they're trying to kind of compare it to their other games. Like they said, a fast t- uh, time to kill, a fast TDK. Basically, they're kind of comparing that to Siege, where you know one head sh- a headshot will probably down you. Uh, and, and when you, the whole thing about recoil, yeah, I saw that. But again, these things are just this is the initial re- uh, release trailer trying to show you the game. It's this is kind of more or less like a a, a vibe check. Uh, like, this is what the game is, this is kind of the thing we're going for, I have a very sneaky suspicion, besides the emotes, besides everything, there's not going to be anything really punk about this shit, it's going to be a pretty s- competitive shooter, because that, that they also want it to be a competitive shooter, so they'll, they'll have, it'll have that siege vibe to it, I, I, that's what I'm guessing, but in terms of, of the Clancy uh, uh, name, I just, I just don't see it, and with the Lord of the Rings comparison, the issue there is that the Lord of the Rings was an adapt, uh, they adapted the book, they, Ubisoft didn't adapt anything from the Tom Clancy world, maybe the, the name Rainbow Six, uh, Ghost Street, and that's it, uh, when you look at when you look at Splinter Cell novels, didn't come out till later, written not by Tom Clancy because he was dead. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just think I, I know what I know what you're saying, and I and I totally get what you're saying. But I think when you look at it, if you actually start kind of breaking it down, you know, especially starting off with the Division, uh, and 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 and, and Ghost Recon, Wildlands, they they stop being the Tom Clancy that we all thought was like Splinter Cell, very, you know, methodical kind of, uh, you know, going through everything like with the, with the, uh, Sam Fisher, with the Splinter Cell games. It's not, hasn't been that for years. I mean, Conviction, the earliest example that, and I gave it earlier, Conviction is an example of that, where they went straight up action on that game because espionage doesn't work anymore. You know, yeah. I mean, this is a Ubisoft problem to me. This is not a Tom Clancy problem, like branding, itself is is what it is yeah. i just don't understand what why they're using it the way they've been using it for so long and i'm not saying this is the first game that's been fraudulent in that sense yeah. i think it's just the fact that they have not really clearly defined what the purpose of using that branding is for but what i'm but what i'm saying is is it fraudulent when they're the ones they're they're the creators of the video game property they can make whatever they want 
for Tom Clancy video games because they literally are the ones that made it. It, it wasn't adapted from any specific book. Uh, yeah, I'm sure at first with the with with everything that, that's kind of how they wanted the, the thing to be, but it hasn't been that for so long that I'm almost thinking, is it fraudulent? I mean, what if they just call this X Defiant? It probably wouldn't be that spectacular or or even nobody would be talking about it the fact that you know all all press good or bad is good or is you know good press or whatever they say like the fact that people are talking about it i'm sure that they thought they were going to say cyber what did they say punk rock punk whatever rock bullshit monster. yeah they knew and they said tom clancy there's no fucking way they're not one single person in that goddamn room said uh people are gonna have a problem with this they're like we know i i just think i just think for me Ubisoft can do whatever they want with the property. It's not really up to, to to them to be faithful to the thing they created. However, we have preferences. Yeah. You know, we prefer the original Tom Clancy games. We prefer that. You know, Conviction isn't my favorite uh, Splinter Cell game. Uh, but, you know, I, I, when Blacklist went back to kind of like the more espionage stealth gameplay, I enjoyed that way more. So I, I, I get what you're saying, but at the same time, I, I, I just... You know, I just don't know what else they would do with the franchise that would be because they obviously don't want to fucking make good games. Well, that's the thing. You know, I mean, well, I know we got to move on, but, you know, I, I will say in closing that th- there's a point, I think, when there's such a high demand for a, a franchise comeback where, you know, as much as you want to give these companies room to make whatever they want to make, at some point you got to show that you're listening, right? Square. Uh, as a prime example of that, people were screaming for a new Final Fantasy VII remake forever. And it got to a point where it was getting so ridiculous that it wasn't happening that even Square themselves had to go, all right, okay, fine. We we get it. Yeah. The, the, just too, there's too much outcry for it. And, and at this point, the demand is so high that now we will be turning away money by not making this game. It, well, see... But do you see why they don't make them? It's because they don't have any... First of all, if they made a Splinter Cell game, a traditional game, it, it's going to sell what it sells up front and then no more sales, right? They're not going to they're not gonna be able to stretch that out like they do with all the games. If they make a Splinter Cell game that has a kind of a mode in it that is multiplayer, that is about making money, people are going to be upset if it's not, you know, it's not good. So it's like a lose-lose... It's a losing situation for them as a company. I'm not. I'm but not. But they also them put themselves in they, that position, though. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm not defending at all. I, fuck them. I don't give a shit. I want a Splinter Cell game. Like I want a, a traditional Splinter Cell game. I want a sequel to Blacklist. I want something. Remake one of them. I don't give a shit. Give me a Splinter Cell game. It'll sell well. But Ubisoft is in this mode of just kind of trying to gouge you for all your money. I mean, that's literally what they want to do. They want to make something. They tried it with, with Hyperscape, which is. Um, it's an unfiltered trash. It's a tour. Yeah, it's a waste. Uh, yeah, and so you know, it's like throwing shit at the wall. I, my whole thing. It's maybe more or less this is more of a pet peeve. It's just I I I I, I hate the argument that Tom Clancy faithful because it's it's you know it. This man's been dead since 2013. He, he had no input in anything having to do with Ubisoft games except to give a thumbs up to Splinter Cell. Is is the most that I read that you know he had involvement in. So I don't know. We'll see what happens with X Defiant. I'm I'm willing to try it, and that's solely based on my experience with Siege. Because I mean, you know, loved it when it came out. wasn't the best game. Now it's like fucking. It's, we can't put it down, you and I. So yeah, 
Well, we'll, we'll see. All right. Uh, I think that wraps up our, um, you know, as far as like the new announcements are concerned, that, that covers up that part of the loadouts. Um, but Pablo, let's get into what we've actually been playing. So um, let's do it. Do you want to go ahead and jump off first with what you got? Uh, talk about uh, yeah. talk about Mario. Yeah. So uh, you know, I got nieces, I got <laughs> nephews. Uh, I was fully planning on not buying Mario Golf just based on reviews and things that I saw, and and you know, I ended up getting it because every time they come over, we play Smash Bros, and and this would be a, a great kind of experience for them. Um, plus, they wanted to play it, so I got it. Um, I ended up playing. Uh, a lot of the adventure mode and, and playing some kind of, uh, you know, just playing regular holes with like all the characters and, and whatnot. And I have to say, uh, this, this is a good game uh, in terms of what it is. Like, it's an arcade uh, golf game. It is fucking a blast to play. Uh, all the mechanics are fine-tuned. I love, you know, everybody has a specific kind of like special move and, and you can make, you know... Uh, other people's kind of uh, time and the, and the course a little hard if you're able to kind of not only use that to to, to make your shot in the, the hole but also be able to you know get the ball from the other player out of the way whatever the case may be but my problem with it is basically what review said the review said it, it's a very small amount of courses about seven or eight of them and you can only unlock them through the adventure mode which brings me to my biggest grief with the game there's a thing called cross-country golf and it's one of the things in, in, in that you have to do in one of the uh one of the golf courses to advance you get a badge for for beating this uh, and it is you have 40 strokes or 40 opportunities to make nine holes any which way you want in terms of the actual uh, order the problem is is the uphill downhill stuff and it it was difficult as shit mm-hmm. And, you know, I consider myself to be a pretty decent um, Mario Golf player. You know, who isn't if you, you know, if you played this, this uh, played these games before. But, man, it is, it is a, it, is, it was just kind of like a waste of time, I felt. And it's the only way, playing the adventure mode, that you can unlock these other courses. So I, 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 I did not like that at all. I, I managed to finally beat it, only to find myself in a next situation where I'm in these... De- I'm in a desert course and water, your consumption of water or you, it's like a, you, you have, you have to ha- stay hydrated basically <laughs> in order to play through the course. The issue here, there's no indication of what exactly makes your water level go down. Oh no. Is it bad play? Is it this? All I know is that it, for me, maybe I missed it. It seems like an arbitrary taking down of things after every hole. Oh, you were 100% hydrated now you're at 98 and as the holes go on you know it it drops down it feels like something that's tacked on because somebody thought they had a good idea hey they're in the desert people get thirsty how about we add this uh why like i don't i I get i guess if you play bad and the more you play bad the list the water amount go down and you won't be able to finish the course and, and and that's how you lose i'm guessing that's how it is it's just it's not it doesn't affect me like it's not a thing where i'm like oh shit i'm running super low on water or i'm super low on hydration it doesn't affect me at all finish the nine holes with like 40 percent hydrated or whatever but i don't get those little systems that they put in it feels like the game itself like not completely thought out because mm. all the golf courses uh in in the in the game itself also are very 
fine. There's one that's like, oh, shit, spectacular, mm. right? It's, one feels very Mario-esque. Uh, but everything else in between just feels very kind of tacked on. Like, I I, I kind of want to know what happened with this game. Is this game, like, developed in the last year or two? Because it, <laughs> it feels like very much that kind of game where it's like, all right, we got eight courses. We got 10 or 12 uh, core characters. And... The mechanic of, of of golf games, it's not new. Like a lot of games have done before, especially um, what's that game that came out for PlayStation? Uh, well, Hot, Hot Shot Golf, yeah. whatever. Yeah. So you know it's not new. So and plus they've done these golf games before with Mario Golf. So that aspect of it is fine, but everything else, the things that would make this game feel like a brand new uh, iteration of this, it just those little things like that just feel really tacked on, and nothing feels particularly special except speed golf. Speed golf is fucking dope, but it's a mode that would be a lot better played with friends. Uh, basically, you shoot off the tee and you run to your ball, uh, and the fastest player to, to finish the course, plus your amount of strokes that it took you to, to, to make the hole, uh, you know, that in, in particular is how you win the game. But anyway, besides that, uh, it just, it just, it's so good in some aspects, and it's so mundane and bland in others. It, 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 it's still for me not worth the sixty dollars. Uh, yeah, I, I, after hearing your thoughts yeah. about it, I I don't think I'm really going to have any place for it now. Honestly, unless it's really cheap I, I down think, the line, I might pick it up on right. sale for like thirty or something, like, like GameStop. But yeah, because nah. I, I would play with you online. It would be fun to play. Uh, but then again, the whole aspect of Nintendo Online, yeah. Yeah, and it's going to get How a little cluttered this year with mu- with multiplayer yeah. games too. So, uh, yeah, it's hard. It's a hard sell. Yeah. All yeah. right, I, I agree. What else you got? Oh, you want to yeah, go along, go man. So, uh, the game that I kind of dabbled in just because it came out and it's on Game Pass is uh, Chris Tales, um, or yeah, Chris Tales is what it's called. Uh, this game is uh, a game made by a team in Colombia. Uh, called uh, I forgot what they're called specifically. I think they're called Dreams Unincorporated. I think it's what their names are. Anyway, uh, the game itself is a JRPG in the vein of Chrono Trigger, and they said even uh, Final Fantasy VII. Uh, that's kind of like the inspiration that they took from the game itself. Um, fully voice acted, acted very well artistically. I showed you screenshots. Fucking beautiful, and one of the cool things about the that they uh, that they did is since it's, it's a Colombian team, they took Colombian uh, kind of landmarks and put them into the game. Yeah, if you go online and you, and you search that, you actually see certain cathedrals and certain mountaintops that are actually uh, created in the game within the art style, and they looked absolutely stunning. Uh, basically, the hook of the game itself is uh, it, there's time travel. Uh, when you are in this time travel mode, there are three kind of crystals that you see. Pat, the uh, the past, the present, and the future all kind of running simultaneously when you're in this mode, and it's a really really cool uh, idea. My my problem with the game and the little bit that I played, it's just uh, that's the hook and that's it. You know, yeah. the story is is fine. They definitely wanted to kind of focus on that. It's just certain things about it being JRPG and, and the turn based stuff doesn't feel good. Like it's it, it, in in terms of playing it and, and going through it, it just it. Very simple. Attack. You have your crystals that you can actually use um, to, to do special powers. And, and you recruit uh, recruit other players or recruit other uh, NPCs who have different kind of uh, things, uh, powers, uh, crystal uh, sets. Uh, but it just feels it's a very beautiful game to look at. 
uh, really cool idea using time travel in the way they're using it. But ultimately, it just feels a little mundane in certain aspects. And when you when it comes to the actual uh, battle system, just is so not fleshed out like the other stuff that it just kind of like for me, it's not a game that I'm going to continue playing. But I 100 uh, percent really appreciate. The Seems art like style. yeah, and it's hopefully all, it's that, all looks yeah. pretty much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it runs really well too. I hope that they are able to kind of um, get an opportunity to maybe make a sequel. Yeah, because I feel like they have the hook down and the art style down, and I feel like if they were able to put a little bit more into uh, perhaps the the battle system, it would it, it would probably be a standout for for me. Okay. But as it stands, it's a it's purely a game that I played based on the fact that it was free and just kind of something I want to try, try out. Um, the other game that I'm playing uh, is beginning of the show I talked about JRPGs and trying to find a JRPG and I am really looking forward to Tales of Arise you know uh, action uh, JRPG that's coming out uh, I think it's September uh, I of this so, year yeah. if I'm not mistaken yeah. uh, looks great uh, I've never played a Tales of game and so I decided to, to kind of look at some YouTube videos and you know there are a lot of uh, people who think they have their favorite Tales of game, but the most modern one, the most recent one was Tales of, of Berseria. Uh, Berseria? Yep. Yep. Yeah, Berseria. And I down, I, I bought it on PlayStation. It's only on PlayStation. Um, it was on sale. I, I picked it up. And again, it was just for me to kind of dabble and in, get into it, kind of get familiarized with what the game is. So when Arise comes out, I can actually, you know, have a little bit of an idea of what to expect in terms of gameplay, story, uh, just a whole development quality into the game itself. And it's a game that honestly, till I haven't been able to kind of put down because it's it's shocking. I guess playing JRPGs that I've been playing and also playing um, uh, Nexus, uh, Scarlet Nexus, the darkness of this game in terms of how dark it actually is and kind of your character itself, you're pretty much an anti-hero, all out just wanting revenge on on on, on, on certain things that happened to you in the beginning of the game. And you see that dichotomy of the, of the character of how happy-go-lucky she was at the beginning and how caring and loving and how one thing happened and changed her to just be this complete kind of asshole. It's pretty dope. Uh, you know, obviously there's some 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 graphical things from, from the game itself. I think this game was developed originally for the PS3, got delayed into the PlayStation 4 era, so there's definitely that. But the gameplay, the, the action RPG of it all, it's really, really dope. Um, and again, I'm a sucker for fully voiced shit, and this is fully voiced JRPG, well, action JRPG, and I'm really enjoying my times. It's really just making me way more excited for uh, Arise uh, when it comes out. Yeah, for sure. And the last game, the last, uh, did you, you've played any Tales of Game? Uh, I've, I played a little bit of uh, Vesperia. Um, I think that was the one that came out just before Berseria. <laughs> Saying these these names like in, in rapid succession is just kind of weird. But yeah, I, I have played a little bit of that and I did try out the demo of Berseria, but I just never got into it because a lot of reviews kind of dissuaded me from from playing it because they said that you yeah. know some aspects of the story were very trite for JRPGs. And, and you kind of know that's going to be the case with most JRPGs anyway. But um, yeah. you know they just kind of made it seem like it wasn't worthwhile. But at the same time, it's like a greatest hit game on PlayStation. So obviously people liked it. Yeah. So um, depending on how you feel about about it, I might come back and try it out actually because I've been I've always been on the fence about it. But I think I think now that I'm kind of hearing that you're into it, that that gives me some hope that I'm going to like it. I think what happened a lot in, in that time is kind of an embarrassment of riches of really great JRPGs, uh, and so comparing those games to that, and then Persona Five coming out and blowing everybody out the water, 
then you start seeing games like Scarlet Nexus that are not the best kind of JRPGs. And then when you go back to, like, for example, when I go back to Berseria and playing that, it's kind of like, oh, this is, this is good. Like, this is good by today's standards. It's just probably when it came out, you know, there was a lot of options available to, in, in, within that genre that maybe dissuaded some some reviewers or people from playing it just because of, oh, I'd rather play this Persona 4 Golden or whatever the case may be. But ultimately, going back to it now after playing modern JRPGs, it's fucking great. Yeah, I, I'm really into it. I'm definitely going to keep playing it. Um, the other game, and this is the last game that I'm playing, this is kind of, the, besides, obviously, Siege, the, the game that I'm putting the most time into is Death's Door. The game that just came out a couple mm-hmm. days ago, the same time as, as Chris Tales. Uh, it's exclusive to Xbox and PC. Weirdly enough, it's not a Game Pass nope. game. Um, so, uh, so I don't know if that's a developer thing. Anyway, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I saw it on, at yeah, E3. It's a game that's been demoed a lot. It's from the same people who made Titan Souls, which is uh, a game that I really love. It's a boss rush game. Basically, you have one arrow in, in, in Titan Souls. You have one arrow that you shoot forward and, and bring back, and that's how you fight every boss. Really simple concept, really beautiful game. Uh, this is what more involved. Artistically, absolutely fucking beautiful. The music is absolutely amazing. Um, it is a little bit like a... I hate using the term, but a little bit like a uh, like a Dark Souls like, mm-hmm. but not in the way that, but but not in the way that people would kind of recognize. Like you don't no, you no, die, you don't different. lose it's your different. progression. Right. Yeah, but it, that's like the closest kind of like comparison you can do. But it's also very much inspired by the 2D or the top down Zelda games, and that's the most that I'm getting from it. It is feels like Link uh, between worlds. Uh, that kind of vibe of the game. Oh my, it is it is so good. It's basically mostly exploration, um, and obviously there, there's combat. You have you have your, your combat role and all that stuff. Uh, that's why it has the comparisons. Um, you know, once you die, you, you go back, and, and there's uh, it's it, it's difficult at times, but uh, ultimately. What where the game shines the exploration. So right now I'm exploring this mansion, uh, and you have to open this main door. And each of the mansions have these seven sections. And once you complete the section, one of the lights in the, in the door turn on four different sections. Like it's that kind of game where you're going through every little room is a different kind of challenge, whether it be puzzle, whether it be combat, whether it be a combination of both those things. Uh, and it, it story wise, the game is is very light in terms of, you're like a you're basically like a like a soul collector like you have to collect souls um but right now the game itself is really speaking to me um because it gives me those those zelda vibes yeah, yeah. um and yeah you know, it, it, it's beautiful someone said i can't remember who said they said that this is what um tunic wish it was because <laughs> tunic is uh is it came out with a demo and it's a highly anticipated game or at least it was when the demo came out uh for me and it had the same thing zelda vibes dark soul kind of vibes uh and it just artistically it's nice but it isn't as it's not nowhere near as beautiful as as death store and the music my god mm-hmm. the music in death store is absolutely it's really good and, and and looking at kind of like the the when they announced it they undersold the exploration of the game a little bit. I heard um, there's a lot of like secrets in it, every level, like passageways yeah, oh, and yeah, all uh, that shit. Yeah. Yes. Yes. A lot of, the, for example, I'm in this, I went into this room that seemingly seemed empty and I did a roll off a thing and in the corner, uh, a light turned on 
And so it's like, there's like a secret door there. So exploring that room, you find little things until yeah. you find a, a, a secret passage. Little things like that. Totally miss it. Like, you could totally miss that shit. But it's there. You could tell that they put the the kind of like... Um, they put like their their they put a really big effort into into making this game a two person development team. They also had help from other people with art yeah. and all that. But it is fucking outstanding. I, I yeah, it's love reviewing this game. well it's on Metacritic, make, and it seems yeah. like it's it's one of those game of the year list, you know, must yeah, haves yeah, for a lot I, of people. I, yeah, I've learned, I've listened to a few podcasts, and there's one or two of that I've heard that they say that this is currently their their game of the year wow. right now. I wouldn't go that I wouldn't go yeah. that far. Um, <laughs> it looks damn good because I mean, I don't know about that. Yeah. Ultimately, for me, I you know there are the games that I, that I like more for sure. But Death's Door, I recommend it. Uh, I recommend it to those who love the Zelda, especially Link Between Worlds and 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 kind of the the vibe of Dark Souls a little bit in terms of like the, the world and, and the combat. So I definitely uh, recommend it to those people who are a fan of that. Love it. I'm loving it. And only it. Uh, can't wait to finish bucks. it. Twenty bucks, not bad, not bad uh, yeah. at all. All right. Mm-mm. All right, cool. So uh, for me, um, I am playing a JRPG uh, that is called East Nine Monstrum Knox. Now, the East series, and that's YS, uh, that this series has been around for 33 years. Um, it is a long, long-running um, Japanese RPG that is, um, you know, modern era, modern gaming. It, it's a very... Um, lesser known less revered franchise in in this space but um i i got into this series late with the with the last game that came out uh east eight um and i was just i was just kind of in the mood for a jrpg but everything that i knew existed um i just i either was kind of dissuaded from playing because of bad reviews like tales of berseria or i had already kind of been there and done that with a lot of other of of the well-known rpg franchises so I ended up getting into eight on Switch and I fell in love with it. I, I, it's a, it's actually an action based one. It's not turn based at all. So, um, it has, in my opinion, some of the best, uh, combat in any RPG, um, any JRPG that is, uh, that you can find, um, almost bar none. It, it is, it is incredibly, incredibly fun. Um, all the different layers of gameplay they have there, um, the way that there's so much, I wouldn't say strategy per se, because it, it does feel a little hack and slashy at times, but just the amount of, of, of things in your, in your tool set that you can do in that game for a JRPG is just so impressive. And, um, you know, it follows the story of, of, of the lead protagonist from all of the East games. His name is Adol Christian. And basically, he's like a serial adventurer. He's he's always what'd you say, Adol? Adol, A D O L. The Man. F is silent. <laughs> and he's got this cute little mustache. Who is it, Adol? <laughs> he's a great he guy. Has a weird official hair configuration. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so no, uh, so you know he's basically a serial adventurer that that kind of always ends up in this new adventure, and and the the games usually uh, start off with some type of shipwreck, and, he, and he'll end up on an island or so, of some sort, or he'll be washed ashore here or there, and then when he lands, there's usually some big thing that's going on, and then a new adventure begins for him, and this is the latest entry in that series. Um, none of the games are. Um, 
it, you don't have to have played all the games to, to play the, the newest ones. They're, they're built in a way where they're all self-contained stories. They'll do like little allusions to former locations that he was at in previous games, but they'd never uh, have a long-running story with continuity like that. So uh, it's very easy to jump into, and I've been having a blast with it. It's on PlayStation 4 uh, and Switch. Um, it has a PS5 patch to bump it up to 4K, and uh, being that it's on PS5, it smooths the frame rate up to 60 frames, so it looks very nice. Um, it, the graphics are still a bit dated because it is a PS4 game, um, but I'm, I'm just loving it. The, 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 the basic premise of this one is you're playing as him. He, uh, he comes to this new, uh, this new settlement uh, called Barduk, and it's basically like a, a, a giant prison with a town around it. Um, that used to be an, uh, a big fortress in a previous war forever ago. And um, there's some supernatural shit going on there. And long story short is he is shot by this mysterious woman with some kind of um, thing that turns him into what they call a monstrum, which is basically um, kind of uh, turns him into like an X-Men character pretty much uh, that can do, you know, kind of superpowers and supernatural things. And he joins this cast of five or six other people who have similar, had the similar power but just different um you know different talents one person can fly glide run up walls and stuff like that and as he works with those people he will um they will all be able to use each other's powers so when you're traversing through the town you can run up walls jump off glide um dash from from spot to spot so it becomes a really nimble game um in that regard and then the combat itself is wonderful uh there's a lot of really interesting conspiracies around the story too so it it's it's really taking a step out of the the conventions of of RPG hood uh you know and, and doing some things that are kind of unique and different for for this uh for the JRPG genre so I'm I'm loving it and it's, it's so far it's one of my favorite games of the year um Nice. Speaking of JRPGs, I was uh, playing a good amount of Persona 4 Golden um, earlier uh, in the week. Um, basically, I was out of town uh, on business, and I brought my laptop in uh, to my room, and I basically, at the end of every day, I would go in uh, back to my hotel, and I would play um, a couple hours of Persona 4 Golden on my computer, and um, I, I, you know, as someone that loves Persona 5 to death, um, I... I come back to this game and I see I see a lot of why people loved Persona or started to fall in love with Persona back at this point when when Golden came out. But to me, I think it was a real big you know reminder of of, of just how much Persona Five nailed what they were going for. This was the game that was like yeah. it's the quintessential they almost have it figured it out kind of game, uh, have it figured out kind of game um, because it does. Virtually some of the same exact stuff that Five does. It was just more rough around the edges, not quite as refined, not quite as stylish, not quite as sophisticated or cool looking, and and, it, and they definitely took what Four uh, and Four Golden did and built on it in all the right ways. So it's it's a hard game to go back and play if you've played Five. Um, I will say, you know, the, the stuff you'd expect to be great about these games are still great in this game too. The characters are really interesting. Um, the main conflict is pretty cool. Basically, it's like a it's like a murder mystery uh, for for the whole game, where people are coming up missing and then uh, turning up dead. And um, there's this Ooh. weird channel that comes on everybody's TVs at midnight, where you can see the next victim. 
Cinemax. A little bit, a little bit of that. No, 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 no. That, that'd be weird. <laughs> uh, but you know, a little bit of like a, a mystery as far as like what's going on with this this TV station, and then of course it gets weird in Persona ways where you can suddenly climb through your TV and end up in that world, and then you're looking for the person who is in danger inside the TV. So it's a really cool thing um, that it takes a different spin on what they did with Five with like the whole changing your heart thing, um, but just not quite as, like I said, as refined as what 5 was. So to me, it was kind of a, I wouldn't say a dud, but I I'd wish I played it when it first came out so I would be able to appreciate it more for what it does at its time than going back to it after 5. Um, and the last game on my list is actually one that you kind of, um, you know, gave me the alley-oop for, which was Blood Roots, which is a Game Pass game. Um, I don't know when it originally came out, to be honest. Yeah. I, I, I know it was this year, but it was probably, I don't know when. No, it was, oh, it was last, last year. year. I think so. Yeah, yeah. On PC yeah. or it was last year on PS4. Oh, if I'm wow. Mistaken. Okay. I, yeah, I had no idea. So this this game is basically um, while Pablo looks that up is uh, is is basically like a Hotline Miami kind of game. Um, you know where you kind of go in. You're you're you got like you get hit one time, you're dead, but you kind of have that that fluid motion of like bursting in, taking out this person, grabbing an axe, flinging it, uh, you know, paddleboard that you can grab random objects. You can throw a carrot at people. And it, it, it's, it's not that, that dumb, funny type of indie game that, that I, that I can't stand. It's more of like, um, it's a more of a Viking type of game where you're taking, you're going into like these little farm areas or villages and yeah. uh, where, where enemies have set up shop and you're just grabbing whatever you can uh, from, from what's around you. So there's weird stuff to kind of, yeah, to get a couple of giggles, but um, the combat is, <laughs> is so fucking good, man. I, I, I'm, I'm constantly amazed at the, the way that they were able to take the hotline Miami formula and, and build on that feeling of inertia that you get from the the string of kills that you can get, um, you know, when you're going through room to room, or in this case, uh, you know, section to section because it's outside. Um, I'm just blown away by it, man. I I, I cannot yeah wait to get back into it and play it. I did you find out when it came out by chance? No, I'm looking right. I'm okay. looking right now. I, I, I hope yeah. it came out this year so I can make it a, a contender. Well, it came out. Well, it came out in. Uh, oh yeah, it did come out this year. I don't know why I thought. Look it came out at last Jesus. Year. Feb, uh, February twenty eighth. No, came out last year. February twenty eighth, twenty twenty. Okay, well, that's fine. I mean, yeah. I mean, regardless, it. it I'm. I'm really yeah, enjoying that it. Was, so I, I. I can't wait to come back to it. And I. I was really, really um, skeptical about it when I first saw the artwork. I'm like, mm, 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 this is that indie bullshit. Yeah, you was talking that uh-uh. shit, boy. So um, yeah, this this to me is is definitely a winner. So if you have Game Pass, definitely give this a shot. It is it is a lot of fucking fun. So, um, but yeah, that that wraps that wraps up my my uh, my loadout. So now up next is is uh, normally when we do booty juice. Now Pablo doesn't have any booty, booty juice, juice, and all the way up until about. 14 minutes ago i didn't have any booty juice either because it was going to be x defiant originally <laughs> but um pablo i remembered something that i, I just want to touch on for two seconds before we move on and that is uh unfortunately not so funny booty juice but the activision blizzard lawsuit that's going oh on right God, now yeah. um i i do think that is worth calling out for a second um looking at the the polygon article um basically you know they've been sued by 
um, the California Department of Fair State. Employment and Housing um, over what seems to be a quote unquote frat boy workplace culture um, where there's gender based discrimination and constant sexual harassment. Um, there's been allegations from from, uh, I guess, multiple people, including um you know, some, some instances of, of um, women coming forward to talk about how men were, you know, frequently commenting on uh, areas of her physique and, you know, making, you know, rape type of jokes and comments like that. Uh, yeah. Fucking and gross. Were, and management was also uh, making uh, pregnant women uh, feel because they had to take maternity leave. Oh, yeah. Trying to guilt them into feeling that maybe, you know, they weren't cut off for the job because men don't have to leave for maternity leave. Women do. And then also uh, one of the managers from a project uh, was consistently badgering women who were pregnant um, about bathroom breaks. Uh, And then also another instance, it's all, this is all related to the pregnancy is, they had a lactation rooms and they were kicking women out of lactation rooms to hold meetings. And it, they felt that maybe they were just doing that on purpose when they knew they were in there. And so that's gross. Uh, certain things like things like that. I really hope that this goes to trial and I really hope that this gets kind of fucking exposed and shown. I don't want to no settle. Um, obviously I would love for those people to, to get money, you know, in terms of settlement. But I mean, this can't, this shit is, is, is video game companies have this, it's a culture issue. It's a systemic issue throughout. But, I mean, it comes to a certain point where shit has to, you know, the hammer has to come down and certain people have to be held, held responsible. Um, and specifically with with, with uh, Activision, it's not the first time we heard some no, bullshit like Ubisoft this. No, Ubisoft um, you know. Yeah. And this thing, and this isn't, and this isn't people coming forward saying, hey, I just sucked working <laughs> no. there. This is the state department the state of california is saying we investigated your motherfuckers for two years and now we have enough information to, yeah. to kind of pull out this um, so earlier today uh, sucks yeah, that it earlier today yeah. jason schreier um was given some internal emails that were apparently sent out to all the employees about this issue and um it it just feels like a lot of glorified political, you know, in-house political jargon and hand waving of, of, you know, we're we're not that kind of place, and we all respect each. You know, look, stop. How about just stop? How you about just kind of stop? Place. You know, like this, yeah. this, this cannot continue to happen for the industry. It just cannot. And and workplace culture is becoming a, a, a much more hot button item. I think just in general in, in society now because of remote work and because yep. of, um, you know, wages and wage discrepancies and stuff like the last thing that ha- should continue to be happening now is people that can't just go to work and work comfortably like that has got to stop. And the industry, whether it's gaming, film, whatever, it, just get Get this shit out of here because it's it's getting ridiculous. It's getting completely ridiculous. So um, sorry to call an audible like that, bro, but I had to throw that out there for some booty juice because um, I think it is more than worthy. No, nah, I'm with you, man. <laughs> I, I actually was I was thinking about that earlier today yeah. where because uh, I saw some stuff myself. I was yeah, like, Damn. it's just one of those things that's like yeah. uncomfortable to talk about, but it's it, but it's got to get out there that you know, it's just not acceptable. So. All right, so let's go ahead and um, let's switch gears and, and, and lighten it up a little bit with uh, some checkpoint chat stuff. And, and we got an interesting one this time. Um, so me and Pablo have uh, have always thought beyond just what's currently out. And, and we like kind of going back and doing us uh, some lists. And uh, what we wanted to do was something a little fun um, that we like to call revisionist history. So 
this is basically us rewinding the clock back 10 years and let's say, okay, let's look at like the, the games that came out in 2011 and let's let's reevaluate what the 10 best games from that year were. Um, and, and, you know, this is a matter of, you know, kind of looking at various factors of how good the games were, um, how, maybe how influential some of them may have been. Um, mm-hmm. and it's just a variety of factors that, that, you know, has, has, has culminated in, in, in games off of this list, um, just sticking with us, um, in all the years since. So, um, we're going to go ahead and run through these, uh, these games and talk about why, uh, each of these 10 for us are so special. And this is a, Pablo, this is a pretty tough list to narrow down. I have to say this was a, a pretty big year. Yeah. yeah. It was, it was, it was yeah. huge. Yeah. Huge year. All right. So why don't we, um, why don't we kick this off with you? Why don't, why don't you run through your, uh, your number 10 game for us? Yeah, so my number 10 game is, uh, and again, the game's 2011, uh, and so for me, my number 10 game of that year was Dead Space 2. Um, Dead Space 1 was, when it came out, it was shocking, it was awesome, it was great, it was all, all the things that, you know, people weren't expecting and, and had that going for it. So Dead Space 2 had a lot of expectations, and I think that uh, it, it kind of nailed them all. Uh a little bit of a diminishing returns compared to, to one in terms of what they were doing with the with the jump scares and all that stuff. But ultimately, for me, uh, Dead Space Two is, is is it improved on uh, basically everything else: gameplay, uh, the way that they uh, the way that they kind of delivered the story, and um, just kind of like like these particular things that they did uh, with the game itself. Uh, I, I just I, I love I love the I, I love the mystery that they carried forward. I mean, you know, with everything that happened three years later, you're back. Uh, there's a, uh, I forgot what they call those things. Um, uh, what's a uh, necromorph. That's what they call oh, okay. necromorph. Yeah. The an outbreak happens and he's back in the shit again. And it's kind of like, Oh, here we go. But it's just, that game is also was so fucking beautiful, uh, to, to kind of look at, uh, just the lighting and everything with the game itself. But, uh, really the story w- was, was, was really interesting. Uh, you know, uh, just certain things. I, I almost don't. I almost don't want to spoil too much because of the remake coming out now, and well, not now, but you know, it's it just it's for me, and I'll just kind of give surface level. Just f- for me, just going back into to a, a game, uh, a part two of a game that I wasn't really expecting uh, when one came out to be any anything, and then this kind of not only nailing what a sequel is supposed to do by improving on every aspect of it it was also a benchmark for what the 360 could do uh in that in that sense so uh when that game came out blew people out the water it was a a portion of that game that was so fucking disturbing where you're laying down and in order for you to to get through this thing they have to inject something into your eye and oh, I remember close seeing that. up on your oh yeah this little shit like that it was like <laughs> god damn like uh, but and, and then just kind of with the whole graphical uh, advancement, all that, just the 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 gun that shoots the like the line gun that that cuts off limbs and stuff like that. You have a lot more accuracy in doing that, and you can really get creative with the way you were taking down the necromorphs themselves. So it's just for me, ultimately, it, it improved everything that one did, and uh, in a year that's so tough. And, and for me, I, I don't know how you feel about certain horror games. I'm not going to say that they're like less than in terms of the art form, but a lot of times horror games are just not kind of game of the year material. They're just kind of like fun experiences to, to kind of like delve into. Almost like the films. Into. It's like, just like the fun summer slasher. Yes, yeah. almost like the films. 
unless you're talking about games like you know like the higher echelon games like Resident Evil uh but you know and in this conversation Dead Space 2 is definitely that kind of game for me I think 2 solidified the idea of this was kind of like a more of a Metroid game than uh that we gave a lot of credit for in terms of the first one and and, and it's like a really dark kind of Metroid game because it is a, a Metroidvania hmm. game in terms of a, you don't have B card to, to get into this, you yeah. have to come back, all that shit. It, it's all there. It's all there. I think for me, it's the best Metroid game to have come out since, uh, you know, the original games. Because Nintendo not fucking making them. <laughs> that's for sure, you know? So that's my number right, 10. cool, man. My, uh, my number 10 uh, of 2011 is actually Gears of War 3. So Gears of War 3 is a tricky one for me because there's a lot of things that I love about Gears of War 3 and there's a lot of things that I, I think are kind of forgettable about the game too. Um, you know, obviously, you know, the the way that the story arc ended with um, with that group and, you know, kind of everything with Dom uh, that happened is is a pretty, you know, big and, and powerful kind of crescendo for, um, you know, the first two games of, of, of essentially kind of building that up and, and um, you know, just everything that, that happened in the wake of that um that whole story arc with with Dom and, and his wife. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think the gameplay uh, to me was, uh, it, it, again, it's strange because sometimes it was at its very best in in up until that point in the franchise, and then sometimes I felt like two uh, and even one in some areas kind of bested it, and it, depending on the level and, and kind of what was going on. Um, but overall, I, I think that the way that that at that time, the trilogy ended, uh, was on a very high note. It just, for me, it, it wasn't quite the same revolutionary feeling and experience that I felt like I got when I played the first Gears of War and even the second Gears of War. So, um, for me, it, it was definitely a standout, but just, you know, it, it didn't stick to me as much as the, uh, the first two games did. So that's why I have it at my number 10. So I'll jump right in because my, my number nine is hey. Gears of War 3. Um, f- for all the same reasons that you said, um, I think for me, I remember playing Gears of War 3 and feeling like very much uh, tired of the yeah. formula. Just, yeah, the fatigue was all there for me. Like I was like, ah. there were moments of that game where I literally played just to get through it. <laughs> and other times with the, with the whole Dom set, all that stuff were really interesting uh, aspects. For me, that was the best part of the game itself. And then everything else around it, uh, everything leading up to it, everything after, just kind of fell, it wasn't, for me, it wasn't really good. I, I was really, absolutely, and insanely tired on the franchise for whatever reason. And that's because I probably hung around a long time with uh, with uh, with part two, with Gears of War 2, yep. with the multiplayer. And so coming into that, you know, a lot of the times when you, we just played, um, uh, you played through all of it. I, I still haven't finished three, but Mass Effect, the legendary edition, when you played those games, you see the progression from one to two and three being the more action orientated yeah. of, the, yeah. of the series. There's a big difference of movement and Gears of War didn't have that. Um, I think uh, one, two and three all feel almost exactly the same. Uh, and so when you're playing through that and it's kind of like the pop and shoot stuff, which was revolutionary with one, um, not so with three because of just just the same thing, iterated, slightly different to new weapons, certain things there. But, you know, 
it, there was a fatigue that I that I just that, that I didn't know was there until I started playing. It just felt so familiar, and that sounds like I'm really <laughs> shitting on the say, game. But you the sure thing is, 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 is the thing is, is that with gears, uh, it, it still delivers that the kind of insane action. And remember, this is revision in history, right, 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 right. Uh, because I think I think going back to three, going back to that itself, I feel like now I don't have that fatigue. And I think about that game fondly uh, in terms of the story missions and stuff with your father, all that stuff. Uh, it's it, it's a really well told. Uh, it's a, it's a it's a game that's very familiar. That's similar to another game on my list in terms of its story and and going back to it now in 2021 and thinking about it in 2000, uh, thinking about it in 2021 from a game of 2011. It, it's a game that I definitely feel um, was underappreciated by me in many ways, but ultimately felt uh, really really good. All right, cool, man. So, um, my number nine is, uh, man, it's again in the in the spirit of revisionist history. This game for me uh, <laughs> was one that I I loved for what it was, and I appreciated it for what it was. But it just because of what the game was, it just it wasn't going to be in my top ten. But looking back on it now, I have to say, Portal Two uh, definitely deserves to be a top 10 game for me from uh, 2011. And man, it almost seems silly to have to explain why because of how great this <laughs> this game is. Um, after yeah. playing the first Portal, um, I think I played it on the Orange Box, which was that collection that came out on PS3 and Xbox 360. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's how... Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, when I played the first game, I, I, I really liked the whole angle of, of it being you know, this, this quirky AI and, and, you know, just try, trying to escape this facility and then kind of breaking through, you know, the, the, the beaten path of the simulation they wanted to put you through and then kind of getting into the, you know, the, like the, the stuff you're not supposed to see of, of that facility. And I thought that stuff right. was so, so cool. Um, so I, I came into to portal two, um, honestly, not really sure if there should have been a portal two, you know, cause I felt like portal one did everything you, you would want this this type of idea to achieve and so when i played this i i I, at best i thought okay it's just going to be you know more interesting head scratching puzzles and that's going to be it but it was so much more than that um you know the storyline and and a lot of the subliminal storytelling that that they were so great at with portal one was almost even better in portal two in some ways um the, the the puzzles themselves were perfect for somebody like me because they were they were challenging but not to the point of being frustrated i never found myself frustrated with puzzles because i i hate puzzles in video games (laughs) i can't i do not want to turn on a video game and be stumped I, I hate that idea. So this was a game for me where, much like the first game, I just I felt compelled to keep going because I was so enthralled by the fact that the portal dynamic wasn't getting old to me and yeah. they were still figuring out creative ways to utilize the portals that I'm like, I, I don't care if I'm stuck. I'm having so much fun just farting around with this shit anyway that it's still a good time. So um, a game like this yeah. will never be up at the top of my list ever because of just it, it it's a it's a puzzle game at, at its at its heart um and and i can't i can never reconcile making that a best game of a year for me but i can say that it definitely deserves to be on the list uh just at number nine so portal 2 is what i got man what do you got for number eight my number eight is uncharted 3 drake's deception um i, I it's no. not on your list nope. right you don't have it yeah, I, I, Uncharted 3, uh, for me, 
uh, is... So this is kind of like the opposite of kind of Gears of War 3. For whatever reason, I played Uncharted 1, I played Uncharted 2, but Uncharted 3 for me, I, I didn't have that fatigue. It felt new to me. Uh, but for but for me, far beyond that, uh, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that they go back and delve into uh, Nathan Drake's kind of like childhood, because this is the game where you play, you know, as a teenager or as a younger version of that, how you meet Sully. It kind of flushes that out, and I, I feel that it works out really well in terms of creating that relationship, or further kind of creating that bond between you and Sully. But one of the things that the game itself does, and, and kind of what brings Naughty Dog even even more upfront to, to the forefront of this kind of like development, being one of the best development teams, is the fact that, if I'm not mistaken, this is one of the first games that use a full-on uh, mocap uh, environment to kind of... Uh, all the things that were acted out in, in the game itself are all done like acting itself. Um, and it, this is a very early on, because they have a multiplayer concept on this. I think this multiplayer also ultimately became later on... Um, what we saw in uh, uh, the Last of Us, it, it, it had like the, the same, same kind DNA, of vibe. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah. So a lot of stuff about Uncharted Three that really, that really worked out. And one of the things is, is the this is one of the first games that I remember. Where like, holy shit, where they had all these animations. So if you got close to a wall, he put his hand on the wall and kind of like yeah, yeah. Uh, drag his hand through the wall. So this was the first game that implemented that specifically. And I remember just kind of like the opening of that game, being in a bar and just kind of going all out, fighting it and, and shit breaking everywhere. It, this was for me like a a, a, a kind of a jump in, in, in like the, the graphical fidelity uh, of the series. And then I, 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 I can't really differentiate, maybe one for sure, but two and three in terms of like the spectacle and all that stuff. Th- these games are the same game over and over the, it's very small iteration over and over but for whatever reason three really hit uh with me uh and i i enjoyed i enjoyed my time with it uh, for me it's probably my favorite hmm. uncharted game uh out of all of them uh well no that would I be think two uh, was my favorite uh, personally but but my favorite one is the legacy lost legacy the- oh yeah off the yeah, Lost that's Legacy. my favorite one. That's period. my favorite. Yeah, but off the yeah. main line, I think two is my favorite. Yeah, I, I like three second. Yeah, it's a good pick. All yeah. right, three is really good, and, and three for me really just kind of like also it brought together the whole uh, Drake uh, and his kind of um, the Sir Francis Drake story mm-hmm. brought that to a close. The ring like stuff. Uh, really, really lo- love the game, and 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 yeah. It, I enjoyed the shit out of it. So. Not mad, not mad. I, I never loved Assassin's. Uh, never loved well, Uncharted well, a lot, but I think that. it was. Uh, it was definitely you know a fun one to, to play for that year for sure. Yeah, because I was gonna. I wanted to ask you is it just what reason? Like you just not. You kind no, of. No, I right? just. I don't know what it is about the Nathan Drake thing, but to me, I I, I never really cared for the. I think I was. I still wasn't past the fact that it felt like an offshoot of Indiana Jones. It just. It didn't feel like it was his own. I think three was when it started to feel like it had its own identity with like bringing in the, the Sir Drake stuff, like you said, but I don't know, just something about it just uh, never really grabbed me. Cause it, I think, I think a lot of it was because yeah. Sony initially had kind of pegged this as the Gears of War competitor because it was the cover shooter thing, a lot like what Gears was doing at the time. And yeah. I, I never really like, 
I never took to it. I never took to the characters as much as I hoped I would. I never took to the the you know all the uh, we, we got to go find this this ancient relic. It, it, at some point, you run out of like. It, you know, fantastical stuff like that to go dig up and find. So it just got a little too yeah, samey for me after a while. I think I think three for me was yeah. when I was starting to get a little like worn out from the formula, and I'm like, maybe this maybe this franchise shouldn't be around much longer. <laughs> so uh, I kind of got my wish, wrong. but 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 you know, but I don't know because I you know, three was probably like I said my favorite, but yeah, four was the one where I felt the fatigue. That game was oh. like ten hours too long. Mm-mm. Uh, 10 hours long. But we would never got Lost Legacy, which is absolutely yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you got to get through yeah. burdens to get to the blessings. And Lost Legacy was fire. I, I, I want to see them do fire. more stuff like that, where not necessarily that they're shorter games, but I just want to see it, you know, I want to see them cut through a lot of their fluff. Because I think a lot of times Naughty Dog games, and I, even even in the case of Last of Us uh, 2, um, there were sections of that game that just didn't need to happen. So, you know, it, yeah, but I, I, I think that they are like worlds apart from that in terms of like they're now they're the way they're telling stories. And you can tell that with Lost Legacy with the with the Nadine's dad right. and, and, and the whole elephant thing and that stuff like it, it, that comes like ripped right from Last of Us with the giraffe, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. It has the same feeling. It's like, OK, we want to kind of recreate this. And they managed to do it because it's like every game is going to have this animal based <laughs> uh sentimental moment and, and i don't i don't remember last of us 2 didn't have that but the fact that they were able to translate that into lost legacy they're really talented uh storytellers yeah uh, you know and i know that uncharted 4 not doesn't necessarily kind of show that because of all the tumultuous kind of relationship with amy hennig and and, and what she wanted and what they wanted and, and kind of where they met in the middle uh ultimately at the end of the day but yeah i think i would love to see and i we're not going to get it but i would love to see another uncharted game with them knowing what they know hmm. now in terms of storytelling but that's not gonna happen because apparently somebody else is making an uncharted game. <laughs> oh well yeah but um still no solid yeah. pick man can't argue with it um my number eight is and, and i i kind of slipped and said it as i was about to explain my thoughts on uncharted i said assassin's creed Re- revelations and that is my number eight so um Assassin's Creed Revelations was a bittersweet one because it wrapped up the Ezio uh, trilogy. And uh, as I've said on this show, um, that's my boy. That's my boy. Um, you know, I, yeah. I, I hope I'm related to him. Uh, you know what I'm saying? But, um, man, <laughs> it, it was um, – I, I, I didn't love, love Brotherhood that much. I thought it was okay. I thought it was a fine game, and, and I think it did a lot of cool things. If I'm not mistaken, I think it was the first game where they had um, – like the the faction recruiting aspect of it, where you can build a team and then you can kind of sick them on enemies and they can drop down and assassinate. I think the yeah, Brotherhood I part was that new hook. Um, I could be wrong, though. It's been a while, obviously. But Revelations, to me, was um, more of the same of that, but it brought back a lot of the charm that I think Assassin's Creed 2 had with the Ezio um, you know, dynamic. And it it I think that it really... Um, it closed a lot of the threads that they were building up to uh, in a really nice way. Um, sometimes bittersweet, again, because it's the last Ezio game. Sometimes a little weird because of the way that they kind of botched the the whole future timeline thing with um, Desmond and everything like that. Um, but I still really, really enjoyed 
um, peeling back the layers and working through kind of all the mysteries of what was really going on with Abstergo and the Templars and all that stuff um, to, to really find myself saying, man, this is this game kind of in my top three for the for the series? And I, and I think it kind of is. I think it's up there with probably Black Flag and Assassin's Creed 2 as my favorites of the franchise. Um, it was just really, really high quality work. Um, and I think that, again, when, you, when, you're, when you're building on an Ezio character for that long, you, you just hope that Ubisoft is not going to Ubisoft it. And I think in this case, I think they did a fine job of, of giving him and that uh, story arc a nice send-off. So that was my number eight. Well, I'll keep going because my number seven is Assassin's Creed Revelations. Uh, it felt to me like this is the last time that anybody at Ubisoft actually had a story mapped out <laughs> for uh, Assassin's Creed. Game. Especially for, in right. terms of like, not the Desmond stuff, because that, yeah, because the Desmond shit, you're right. It's like they wanted to get rid of that. They're like, let's just let's just kill this shit. And it, it yeah, that was fucking insanity. But I think Ezio is the best AC character to date. Um, you know, overarching story, you literally saw him birthed, and and he's like a brash jerk off, and then he becomes like this person who finds his purpose, which is killing a whole bunch of people. <laughs> um, but you know, ultimately, you see, you really see that whole story arc, and then the tie-in with Altair from the oh, first I game at the end that. of that game, yeah. and the way that they they do that, it's it, it really it really felt like that's why when when Black Flag came out, which I loved, it it, it was a little bit of also bittersweet because it was the best gameplay. The best, you know, with the whole, uh, the whole water, yep, the boat yep. stuff, and all that shit, and ships and love that shit. But it, it it dropped for me the ball on all the Assassin's Creed shit. Like it was, it, there was no forward momentum with with what three did and how, because it felt like okay, now we're going somewhere. Now they're gonna tell uh, a story itself. I personally love Brotherhood. Uh, Brotherhood is probably my favorite, though. I do see this as uh, a trilogy like a one thing maybe that's cheating but yeah. like, it's like a one uh, type of thing um, but I think it's super underrated in terms of the story like this is the best Assassin's Creed story told throughout all the Assassin's Creed games uh, that that's kind of my personal opinion because I think with, with the ending, with the way certain relationships end in that game itself, it was just it was really really good. My only my only problem with the game is the mm-hmm. setting uh, because two was in Rome. You kill a pope <laughs> in two, like you, you know, in 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 a brotherhood. So all this shit happens, and then you go. I forget where it's. This is uh, the where this is set, but it's it's yeah. it's brown. It's not. It's there's not a lot to it. It's very, uh, it's it's just it just doesn't look as good. But the story is fantastic, and also the tower defense portion for me stops this game from being absolutely iconic. Because uh, that tower defense stuff at first was like, oh, this is a cool little hook, and then it just uh, this this fucking sucks. <laughs> uh, it was so undercooked, and it became optional later on. But man, at the forefront, you had to do it. And then and the thing that they introduced that I don't and I don't think that they brought it forward. Uh, was the hook blade? Oh so you yeah, zip line through all the buildings and all that stuff. I don't know, maybe it had a, por- a a version of that, but yeah, I, I I think for me, Assassin's Creed stopped being Assassin's Creed the way that I like it, the way that we love it with with uh, with Revelations because Black Flag is great, but you know it just it's not that kind of um, it's not it's not an assassin. That's it's like it's the first time that I can think 
of a, okay, what's the point where Assassin's Creed stopped becoming Assassin's Creed? And I think it's where mm-hmm. it started with Black Flag. Um, and then, you know, um, I, I liked Syndicate, all the other ones as well. But yeah, this is, for me, this is uh, absolutely super underrated. And even when I played it, I can remember myself playing the game thinking that I love 2 and, and Brotherhood better. But the story, yeah. I think, is, is the best story. And that, that ending is Yeah, it was awesome, a lot of what dude. the fuck, but it still, it was pretty yeah. impactful. And, and, it, and it took place yeah. in Constantinople. Yeah, uh, yeah or Istanbul now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, man. Uh, love that. Love that game. Love that trilogy. And I, I, man, I wish something like that would come back. But uh, best we got now is the HD collection. I think that's on sale right now on PlayStation Network. So I might, might pick that up if I'm, if I'm feeling might, myself. I might that. get that. Like, $12. Because uh, cause now we're getting a live service. <laughs> How far have we come to a live service Assassin's Man, Creed? Man, holy to me. shit. Best days are behind the series. By far. Um, yeah, for, by yeah, far. Man. Close. So uh, my uh, my number seven is Catherine. Now this game, uh, I, I, I recently put Pablo on this one um, because the full body edition, which is basically the, up, the updated version of the game, came out on PS4 not too long ago. Um... This is this is one of the most. Game. I mean, it's it's a, it's my number seven, so it's not my favorite, right? It's not one of the greatest of all time type of games, but it is the one of the most interesting and different video games I've ever played in my life. Um, there is so much about this game that is weird, that is um, masculine in all the ways that guys just don't want to admit. <laughs> Um, there's, there's, there's a lot about this game that is stylish and in that very Atlas way uh, in that persona, um, you know, atmosphere and vibe of just going completely in left field. And there's a lot of really interesting groundedness into this game too, when it comes to the way that it talks about, you know, in between all of its, you know, over the top nature and stuff, the way that it, 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 it talks about relationships. It talks about expectation between partners. It talks about faithfulness and trust and loyalty and goals and whether the goals of, of one person in the relationship and the other person should or shouldn't be aligned. It it really does kind of make you think. I mean, literally, it asks you questions that happen in between chapters of the game that will impact what the next um, uh, action sequence will, will play out like in terms of what... Um, the main character's nightmares are going to be because basically the game takes place in, in a mixture of real life and his dreams and his dreams are influenced by the circumstances that play out in the story and the questions that you answer about love and sex and relationships as well and it takes that puts it into the um, the it's basically a climbing game uh, in so many words where you have to climb up these blocks to basically get to a door that helps you wake up from your dream um, but you're being chased by this presence down below that's tearing all the layers of blocks uh, out from below you so you have to climb up as fast as you can before your nightmare uh, gets the best of you essentially um, now there's a supernatural hook to it as I, well I but say, it's I, it's it's interesting yeah I gotta say it because I find it interesting uh, and that's why I think because I'm not a puzzle game kind of guy but I think it's less about the puzzles and more about the hook of the game because you said earlier that it's not you're not a puzzle game guy right. yourself uh, and this is a very but it, the hook is so fucking interesting and, and it's it I'm playing I started to, to kind of dabble into it to see what it is you could play the game where uh, on mm-hmm. easy mode where it'll complete the the, the, the right the thing for you the, the, the which I haven't done yet but 
I'm super invested. I, I want to get through with the game itself, and, and so if I ever get stuck, I can just go through that. But I feel like for if the story and the hook is good, it doesn't matter if it's a puzzle game. I think that we can. I think you and I can get past that because you know, I mean, Catherine is. is I can't believe that. Yeah, I, I really hope you go back to it eventually because, um, you know, me and, and, a, and a good longtime friend of mine and a friend of the show, Will, um, swear by this game. It, it is so special in just how it handles everything from the story arc that I told you about, um, the themes, and even down yeah. to music, presentation, voice acting, and, and just the overall look and feel of that game. is just it, it is quintessential literal one-of-a-kind type of thing that i think no one should uh should miss so um it, it's it's the game for middle-aged men that are trying to figure out their own future <laughs> um and if that's you at all or if that's ever been you you will definitely relate to this and everything that this game brings to the table so uh Catherine is my number seven what do you got my number six is saints row mm. the third um you know saints row series that came out to compete with grand theft auto one was pretty much trying to be Grand Theft Auto. Two was still trying, but three was kind of the game that jumped the shark in all the great, in all the best way possible because it, it, it kind of differ, finally differentiated itself from Grand Theft Auto. It, it, it stopped being, this is a Grand Theft Auto clone or a yeah. Grand Theft Auto like, and it just became its own thing. Like Saints Row, when people think about Saints Row now, people don't think about, oh, the Grand Theft Auto clone. No, they think about Saints Row. You know, the same way people think about Grand Theft Auto, when you think about Saints Row, it is its own yeah. kind of game, which is basically this this obnoxious and sometimes in terms of its humor, over the top fucking bananas crazy shit where uh, you're just, you know, you're just out in this world and you have a gun that shoots dildos, <laughs> right? If I'm not mistaken. Uh, it, it just, it's fucking, it, it's the, uh, the epitome of fun. It is a blast. The story is stupid, but also mm-hmm. kind of good at the same time. And then, uh, one of the most iconic moments in video game history for me is jumping down from the helicopter into that penthouse yeah, with yeah. Kanye's power, <laughs> uh, you know, blasting. I mean, th- that shit, because you don't really hear a lot of licensed music, and especially current, because that, that, that song yeah, was pretty yeah. current uh, when, when, it, when it happened. And, and just those little moments like that, the gunplay is excellent, in my opinion, even better than Grand oh, Theft Auto in terms of how it feels. Uh, yeah, it's not even, yeah. And, 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 and the characters are, are, are memorable, uh, the writing is it's so easy to fuck this up so easy to f- and they don't always hit 100% but I mean you have games out there um, that try to be funny and you feel and you feel that you feel them trying to be funny Saints Row the third specifically feels less like that and feels authentic and like they really ha- know they really understood what they were trying to do and, and, and the way that, that they actually uh, you know executed on that vision Fucking great. I mean, it really, it really was, it really just one of those those games that come out and, and you, I didn't, I didn't no. expect it to be this. Uh, yeah. And then other games have come out after it that tr- they've done similar things, but three is, is the one. Three is the one that, that, that kicked it all off. And, uh, it is obviously my favorite Saints Row game. Mm-hmm. I hope we get another one because that Agents of Mayhem wasn't a Saints Row game, but boy, even, even four trash. wasn't as good. Yeah. yeah. Hope- but three, man. Yeah, and, and four and four was still good, but yeah, three was is is absolutely fantastic. It, um, three three uh, yeah, three is the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it starts off uh, 
the actor trying to be yep. yeah the, yep. uh, Johnny Gad and, and your uh, the bank heist oh man so good it's action piece after action piece and when you're out in the open world you don't feel bad mm-hmm. hitting people with cars <laughs> it's, it's just it's a it's a literal here's the thing it is a literal sandbox it really is I fucking love this game to death uh yeah so all right man my there. number six is resistance three um man i i i wish there was um there was an opportunity for more people to come back to this game in in retrospect or that resistance comes back because i think resistance three was it was the first it. time i think in in out of all three of the games where i feel like they were they were finally on to something because it felt like the first resistance was a t- was a it was Call of Duty with Aliens when it came, when it launched with the PS3. Resistance 2 felt like it was trying to really be the the multiplayer first type of game um, with a lot of players uh, at one time, and it just lost its way when it came to the story and the campaign. Resistance 3 was was it was um, man, it was it was it was Resistance, but it also had a lot of the the feel of the Half Life 2. Uh, universe in it with a lot of its design and a lot of its architecture um, the way that the cities looked the way the enemies looked and it, it just had this really um, homey story with it with um, you know the, the, the a new main protagonist uh, for the first time and this guy was basically just a family guy and he was just trying to survive and, and take care of folks and take care of himself and his people and, and just get people to safety and and survive this this insanity that was happening around him. And it, it, it was a much more grounded story that was relying less on bombastic uh, sequences. Not to say that it didn't have its share, but it just told a more grounded story um, where I felt more attached to the world and the people in it. And then when you get to the gameplay, I think they also figured out the formula of how to make a great first-person shooter their way. And I think they, they achieved that by really mastering the idea that they wanted to achieve with the first two games, which was, let's take the ingenuity that we have with Ratchet and Clank's weapons, right? All the fun shit that you can you know pick up and use in those games. And let's try to resistify that shit and make it... Um, make it work in this world so that you're not just firing off, you know, basically fictitious weapons that, that function like real weapons do anyway. Um, and I think this was the I first time when that. they actually nailed that. And, and, and weapons in their secondaries were, were incredibly fun to use. Uh, the level design in that game was fantastic. The visuals for its time was just otherworldly, especially the snow effects. That was the big draw of this game too at the time. Um, man, I, I, it's on PlayStation now. I, I don't want to touch this game because I don't want to ruin my nostalgia for it because I'm sure in the years since this game came out, a million shooters are better than this now probably. But um, but my respect for it has gone nowhere but up since it came out because, again, I felt like it it really la- it stuck the landing in a way that the first two games never could do. And I, I, I miss the franchise because of how how well they, they figured out the formula of resistance with this game. So... Um, Sadly, it's not on my top of, of, of the list because the other games on here are just in a league of their own. But Resistance 3 is gone, but not forgotten. So uh, uh, that's my number six. What do you got for five? Yeah, to, to oh, touch yeah, sure. on Resistance a little bit, I, I, think it's in, I, think, I think it's interesting because when you look at shooters now, they're either multiplayer-centric yep. or military. There really isn't a lot of shooters that dabble in this kind of uh, alien invasion and, and, and 
there's not a lot of there's not a lot of that anymore, and it's and it's weird that that kind of gone it's gone away. Um, even with oh, Killzone, yeah. Yeah. you know, true. That's also dead. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but we'll see. Uh, if 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 Sony they Sony do. needs a shooter, I think they need a shooter, and so we'll see. But I don't I don't think I don't think Resistance is coming back uh, anytime soon. Um, my number five is mm. Eleanor. Before I get into this. I'm curious as to why this isn't on your list. Did you did you not did you play this game? Did you not? Uh, I played it. I played it. I I didn't care for it at all. Really, I thought. Yeah. I thought to me, and I don't want to poo poo the game before you praise it, but I I thought um, I thought no, that the fine. game's hook when it came to interrogations and stuff like that, and and kind of reading people's facial expressions and body language, it was it was it was too it was too much because. Some of the expressions, and I think, and if I'm not mistaken, I think they toned down some of the obvious like facial clues. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I think I think it, the original like, game it was, it was really like, obvious. did you do you know who killed that person? No, <laughs> and they just look away like, mm, it's hot in here. like uh, okay, obviously you're lying. So you know now you know you get to press them a little harder. Yeah. So I think they kind of I think if I'm not mistaken, they toned stuff like that down when they re-released it. But I just felt like that stuff like that was kind of bland to me. Um, and I think that the city was beautiful, but you couldn't do shit in it. Um, so it was a little kind of de- deflating yeah. from that standpoint because you expect a Rockstar game to give you a little bit more interactivity than that. Um, but it was almost more of a mafia kind of game where it, the city the city is the That's city and say. it's not really yeah. meant to be explored. It's just meant to be uh, the place where your character stands yeah. and chases people once in a while. But um, but yeah, I, I thought it was a fine game, but I, I, it didn't it didn't. It didn't connect with me like I hoped it would. Yeah, I you know for me I, I, I find that the, the whole like, that the world is not that open as a plus, especially with revisionist uh, history here uh, because of the fact that you know just going straight to story points from story points really worked well for me with Mafia, which I really loved a lot. Um, I, I know that the the the. The main hook for Eleanor was that uh, entire kind of facial expression and, and your detective, but that's not the reason why I loved. It. I love the game because I'm a sucker for neo, like near noir uh, films to begin with, uh, which I think I've mentioned that in the podcast before. And this is a detective game in that setting, and I was in the 1930s Hollywood. Los Angeles. Uh, that's my shit. Like any movie that comes out, that and that, like that's I'm all in. And that's I. I got to play a game where I played a Humphrey <laughs> Bogart esque person, and that just fucking was nah, phenomenal. See, there's a murder. See? I, I, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I, I I loved I I loved the game itself. Uh, I loved uh, I loved the, the entire story being ultimately being about actual real estate, like a lot of these movies are. Uh, it's it's about uh, you know th- the thing that's happening, the overarching story, the thing that's happening is because of veterans coming back from World War II, and then there's this that's a subplot. The main plot is this main bad guy is buying up all the land, poisoning water. It's it's a whole kind of thing. It's a very much about like those movies. Like if you see movies like Chinatown or anything like mm. that, it's about land. It's about real estate. It's about own. It's always about that stuff. And this game was that. Uh, uh, to a T, and I fucking loved every moment of this. My my problem with the game itself is 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 and it it made you do a lot of things that the game was not good at, which shooting, which is not good at, and then the, the the entire kind of third act where they kill off your main character to try to try to make it seem like oh like, and then they, they they put you in the shoes of a character that you've met before, 
it just it, it was it was um it was not good <laughs> okay. um and and when and when it, it tried to be more than 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 all its parts uh and which basically all happened at the end it it, it really was a fucking bummer because this could have been like one of those just one of those greatest games for me because of, it just kind of takes everything that i love about movies uh, uh about old actors about old hollywood about crime nor and put that into a video game which is my favorite thing to do and then it fucking <laughs> took a shit on it at the end of it um but i mean again i thinking back in those, and there's a lot of cool shit about it and they took so much inspiration from those movies there's a whole thing a subplot of it as well as a uh you know you're investigating this this movie set and it happens to be a sex rink and, and, and it's like a whole bunch of stuff happening it's it's like really really uh, thought out stuff but ultimately they tried to video game up the shit out of it at the end and um he, he, you know i it, it kind of fell apart there but also, it was Mad Men the game because it was all the actors from Mad Men <laughs> were in this fucking game. Uh, it's it hilarious, but yeah, no, I really, really enjoyed uh, enjoyed it. It's not higher on my list uh, because of the fact that it just it fell apart. Um, it, it fell apart there at the end. But this could have been potentially my game of the year if it just if it hit on all cylinders. Uh, and it's more of a me thing. It's a very specific thing about me that this game almost managed to. to, to you know, to hit it out the park, but it did not. Sadly, so still number five, top five game. Damn. Uh, 11. Damn. So, damn. What do you got? All right. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I wish it would have been able to be a full fledged series with, with another stab at it, because I think that to your point, there was stuff that they did do really well, but I think, damn shame, man. Damn shame. I think maybe if it goes on game pass, I, I might, think you should I try might, it again. I might. Um, all right. Yeah. My number five is the Witcher two assassins of Kings. So, this game, uh, in the spirit of revisionist history, is actually a little bit lower than what it was uh, for me uh, when it first came out because I think I was still, I was in a hell of a honeymoon phase with The Witcher because this was the first time it was on consoles and I was so over the moon about that because it was taking you know what I had kind of had to watch on YouTube um, of the first game and it was putting the controller in my hands for the first time. So I was, I was so hyped about that and everything that this game was doing that for its time was, was pretty special. I mean, it certainly wasn't the first game to do player choice uh, at all, but it was one of the first games that, that said, Hey, if you make this choice, there is an entire section of the game that you are not going to see. Um, and, and it basically gave options like that, that, um, that made the, the experience oh, very, really? very different. Cause I think there was a part where you can choose either with, um, siding with or, or helping out Roach, uh, or Roche, whatever his name is. Uh, and then some elf character that I, I, I don't know why I'm blanking out on his name, but depending on who you chose, you're either with one person for, you know, about, you know, quarter of the game or with another and that's it so um that stuff was really interesting to me obviously Geralt just being Geralt was just you know incredible and everything that he is and um you know obviously they they went on to master it with The Witcher 3 but even with 2 uh the character of Geralt was just as charismatic just as interesting um just as Geralt as as you would hope he would be I think that the problem is, um, you know, at the time, and obviously now, you know, there's a little bit of irony with, with how Cyberpunk turned out. It was a pretty buggy game to begin with, and, and it had some problems with Jank, and it just didn't feel very uh, fluid, um, you know, to control. 
Uh, so I think there was a lot of moments where I was fighting with the game a little more than I was hoping I would have to. Um, but, you know, the story was so good that, you know, you're going after another Witcher for the first time and it's this big hulking guy that you're like, what the fuck is he? And, you know, it, it's there was so much political uh, ramifications around, you know, how how, um, you know, who was being framed for the assassination of that of the king. Uh, it, that story was just so fucking good. And um I, I love it to this day. I, I have it on my Xbox that I, I can play it again. I, I hope to when I get the itch for uh, The Witcher again. But um, I, I think just some of the jank that was there um, was more forgivable then than it is now for me. So I have to say now it's my number five game. But um, certainly um, one of the better games that I've played in a long time anyway. So uh, shouts out to The Witcher, man. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I have it as well because they gave it away. Uh, oh yeah, ago. yeah. Um, and I fired it up, and it was like right after Witcher Three. And I was like, ooh. Mm-hmm. So, so I might have to, you know, now with time away, I might have to yeah. go back and check it out. Uh, but in defense of the Witcher, oh, not defense, but just to clear, Witcher Three also. Oh, of course, had yeah, yeah, a lot of bugs yeah. When it first yeah. came out, so yeah. All right, what do you have next? So my number four is Batman: Arkham City. Uh, this was for me to my to, you know I think it's the best Batman game to have ever to ever exist even to to today's standards I uh I I love the 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 fact that you know when you look at this the history of Batman games and superhero games period just not good you know then Batman Arkham Asylum comes out and it's really good and it's like you know that's fantastic it's it's all insulated within the Arkham Asylum and it's it's a really cool experience. And then Arkham City is going to come out. It's an open world Batman game. And you're like, holy shit. Like, how are they going to, you know, how are they going to do this? And they fucking killed it. I mean, the, the Joker, uh, uh, Hamill's, uh, you know, portrayal of the Joker, fucking amazing. It's the same one from the animated series. Uh, the, the fighting system from one comes back. It's a little bit more fluid. Uh, and then, you know, all the little kind of levels or, or areas controlled by the main bad guys, Penguin and, 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 you know, Mr. Freeze. Oh, that was their one. Yeah, Penguin, Mr. Freeze, all that good stuff. I, it was just, it was just absolutely like, being that I'm, I'm more of a Batman fan than any other superhero, this was kind mm-hmm. of my jam. Uh, and it was, it was just, it just a great, fucking batman game uh you know the gadgets the the the, the portrayal of batman which is also the same actor from the animated series it, 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 it's batman you know and 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 having a game in an open world environment and and also being able to infiltrate certain areas and and and, and just just go about the game as batman and, and it feels like that is is pretty much just is is you know it's this is the game that every other batman game after it uh, kind of followed formula and it just diminishing returns from that point. Uh, you know, Arkham City is 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 the that game for me. Um, and yeah, it, it's it's it still stands as the best uh, Batman game in the series. Uh, and I hope they don't make any more because <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, just I I, I don't want to see. Also, real quick, the story at the end it's a little well, it falls apart a little bit, just yeah. a little bit. Just a little, yeah, but it's I, good. It's good. I, I think Arkham this is City. this isn't on my no, list out of the sheer fact that I I'm not a comic book person. So I, I do like Batman and Spider Man, but at the time I really had no interest in playing this game. So uh, 
I, I got to it late, and by the time I did, I, I don't know enough about all the villains and all the breadcrumbs that they were giving about you know who who certain villains were in the game to really appreciate it as much as, as someone like you would. So, uh, but I, I certainly know how yeah. great of a game it was and how much people loved it. I think it's one of the best reviewed games of, of that year, if I'm not mistaken, according to Metacritic and so on. So yeah. so yeah, good pick, man. Good pick. My number four um, is Battlefield Three. So. Battlefield was, um, I was more of a late, uh, somewhat late bloomer into Battlefield because I didn't get into it until Battlefield Bad Company 2. Um, so, you know, for me, I really enjoyed um, kind of getting my, my feel for something that was anti-Call of Duty and that it was more open in that you can get in vehicles and uh, train, uh, not trains, uh, <laughs> trains and planes. Uh, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, but you know, just being able to, um, you know, have, have a much more diverse experience with a bigger map, more players felt like more of a war environment. And this was a game to me that really, um, I don't know if Battlefield has ever been better in its history. I think some people would say four um, might contend with it in some respects, but I think three was really the perfect uh, porridge of Everything that Battlefield was when it was predominantly a PC type of game to, you know, re- really figuring out how to modernize it and get uh, more mass audiences to, to gravitate to it by taking bits and pieces of what was making Call of Duty successful at the time, but still um, keeping the essence of Battlefield intact so that it still felt like its own it's its own thing. So, um you know, uh, uh, the multiplayer maps were, were amazing. The, 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 the pace of the matches felt good. It was always intense. Um, if you were in a, a group of people that knew what they were doing and were on chat, you had really, really cool squad type of experiences where you're kind of coordinating together, working out a strategy, um, kind of telling your teammates to hang back so you can spawn on them and so that you don't lose your position on the map. Um, just, just a really, really brilliant brilliant game that um you know there's been rumors that there's there was going to be a remake i i don't know if there's going to be a remake now that there's this battlefield portal thing now that's going to be in 2042 where there's going to be maps from older games um so the jury's out on that that seems pretty cool i don't know how well people are going to use it but um i i really really miss the battlefield 3 vibe and i do hope that 2042 uh carries some of that same spirit that made 3 such a special special game that year so um that is my number four so uh my number three is dark souls uh came out 2011 and this is kind of like the 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 daddy of them all right i mean i know demon souls came out uh, a couple years before it and it, it now is it's getting the respect that it deserves with the remake but at, at the time and, and and honestly when you look at every game that's come after it uh it, this is kind of like the every game that every week we talk about a game almost always we're going to say a dark souls like and which is in, in in the it's in that same space as metroid like uh metroidvania uh and those types so this is you know First and foremost, besides the, the, the actual kind of uh, play style of it and the way that it plays, uh, the one thing that I, I talk about it often, and most people talk about it often, but I still feel that it doesn't get the respect it deserves in the area is the level design. The level design of Dark Souls is masterful. It's absolutely amazing. Uh, you know, the way that you explore the world and the way you take these shortcuts that manage to bring you back to the beginning of the, of the, the HUD area. Uh, it's, it's absolutely one of those things where 
you don't really you don't really appreciate something like that until you see how it's done and you see how it it, it other games who attempt this who have attempted this in 2021 and 2020 and, and just years after it fail fucking miserably at it and and dark souls and the whole from software team they, they this is like their bread and butter and so for me being that this is a generational game, a game that has inspired games throughout the genre and continue to inspire Dark Souls uh, is my number three game uh, of 2011. And, you know, as you guys know, it is also Dark Souls 3, being my number 10 game of all time. So I have a lot of history with, with, with the with the series and I, uh, you know, I... Dark Souls is the shit. Number three of that year. That's how. That's how. Man, I was just gonna say Dark Souls. It's got to be hard to put that at number three with some of the other stuff on the list. But, but yeah, man, I I, I totally get it. Even if it doesn't connect with me personally, I know how how pivotal Mm -hmm. of a game that was for all of gaming. So it's definitely understandable to see it up so high at number three. My number three Mm -hmm. uh, is the third of Saints Row. So, um, I, um, man, let me tell you something. <laughs> this game was so b- motherfucker. There is a pimp named Zemos that talks in auto tune for the entire game, all game long. Oh yeah. There is a, a giant tank all bread, uh, manly beast named brute. That is the coolest guy ever. There is Johnny Gat. <laughs> there is Kinsey. There's Shawnee. Shondi. There is Nightblade. Do you remember Nightblade? Um, the 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 commercials in the car of of like the goofy like teen heartthrob show. I'll kill you, vampire! If it's the last thing I do, Nightblade. Oh, oh my yeah, god! It was uh, off of that one movie. I, I don't What's know. What's that movie called? The, um, spoofing Twilight. Yeah, that's oh, what Twilight. Was, yeah. Twilight. Such yeah, yeah, yeah. an amazing use of that world and, and, and it's a, it's an important game because i think at the time saints row had a really big problem because they tried with the first game to be basically san andreas this is our gang versus their gang you want yeah. to be with the row you got to this this that and saints row 2 was a little funnier there was some weird missions with like you know sewage trucks and shit like that saints row 3 was where i think they finally realized let's just make this game the ultimate playground for fun, hilarity, and all of the off-color <laughs> humor you could possibly want. And, um, it, and it was special because simultaneously, Grand Theft Auto was going through a metamorphosis of its own in terms of um, moving not so much in a, I wouldn't say a serious direction, but getting away from the the equally as ridiculous type of stuff that you were seeing in their earlier games and, and, and heading into more of a sim type of, yeah. uh, of direction with the city itself. This game was like, no, we'll just, we'll, we'll do what you're not doing anymore and we'll do it really well. And, and for that, I had so many amazing laughs. I remember, you know, fun moments of, of rescuing Zemos from this S and M club, um, where things were happening to his butthole <laughs> that you don't want to know. And he was crying out for help and auto tune. And uh, <laughs> Burt Reynolds was in the game. <laughs> Burt fucking Reynolds was in the game. Yeah. Um, man, uh-huh. the, the sing along in the car Burns. of uh, love is what I got. You know, stuff oh, like that yeah. was just so fucking cool. Yeah, man, they, they the killed game. it. And they had, yeah. like you said, they had Kanye in there, who was the new Walt Disney, who's the new Steve Jobs. Um, you know, he, he was in there. Yeah. So it, it was just a game that kept a smile on my face all 
game long and I have not had that much just pure fun and laughter playing a game in a long time. So they recently did a remastered version of it. Um, wasn't the best remaster of all time, but it definitely improved on a lot of things. So if you are interested in playing it, I would jump straight to that and try it out. Um, some stuff doesn't hold as well as it did back then, obviously. Um, but I think the reason why it's so high up my list even now is just because, like I said, of all those amazing moments that I have not forgotten about since then, um, that just made that game unforgettable to me. So Saints Row the third at my number three, what you got for, uh, your number two. Yeah. My number two is portal two. Uh, listen, uh, again, puzzle, ga- puzzle game, not a puzzle guy, but this game was fucking crazy. Like, just from the onset, just the beginning of the game, you, you come out, you step out of your cell. Steven Merchant is the voice of the little robot that is um, always talking. I mean, narrating basically the entire experience. Not narrating, but just kind of like talking to you. Uh, but, and then, and then just the way that they took the concept of one and, and, and related that to two, and then basically just times that by 20 you know uh things are moving in that environment you're like you're seeing uh like you said like behind the scenes stuff in one you're seeing that throughout two and, and it's just basically you trying to escape this through a, a a a few puzzles but really that that's that's secondary what's main here is is, is the cast of characters gladys GLaDOS, uh, the main antagonist, which is the computer here, trying to convince you that <laughs> everything is fine. There's cake at the end of this. This is just kind of like a uh, you're just testing some things. And then you have a uh, Cave Johnson, which is the CEO um, of 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 the of Aperture. Uh, what's, what's it called? Uh, yeah. um, Aperture Science, or, or I think it's called. Uh, and and that's voiced by J.K. Simmons, like which is you know a, a famous uh, actor who's voiced a whole bunch of stuff. Then also he's. Uh, He's he's the 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 I'm bad with the name uh from Spider Man. He's the main um he's the he's the head of the newspaper. Spider-Man. I have no idea. You're asking the wrong person. Uh, oh, okay. jo- Jonah Jameson. <laughs> uh, Jonah Jameson. Anyway, uh so yeah so in terms of that the game itself obviously the gameplay is absolutely fantastic. Uh the the story the the voice acting uh, all those things are, are are amazing but it's just the the experience of that game and just kind of going through it and kind of having these realizations with certain uh context clues and 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 context storytelling things and the way that GLaDOS changes in her approach to you patience and then losing patience and then how everything is just c- comes together into this into this awesome story uh, that it really just culminates at the end with you escaping this and this whole entire song going mm-hmm. the battles is singing about you not wanting to go away i mean it's just really just uh it takes all the elements uh, uh, of a good game which is gameplay which is story which all these things and and, it, and it's all top notch all of it is top notch it there's for me there's not a miss in this game this is like a perfect game for me uh uh and then obviously um you know, I already touched upon a little bit, but the soundtrack of the game is uh, amazing, and and they really uh they really take these uh, this one gun you have that creates portals, entering, exiting, ex- exiting, uh just this very simple concept, and they're able to implement that in a multiple ways to the point where it's all you need. Like it's 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 you can use it offensively, defensively. And and you can you can do it in the way that the game is telling you to do it, but you could also 
do it on your own. Like you can figure it out, do things differently. And then it has that whole uh, entire um, cooperative mode where that you can even go even crazier in terms of how you, you know, how you accomplish those uh, puzzles and whatnot. But for me, it's just, it's just an experience that needs to be had. I, I think, uh, I think there hasn't been a game that's been able to kind of take all those things and put them together in a way that uh, that Portal 2 did. I mean, it is it is expertly made, expertly crafted, uh, and it is you know one of my favorite games of I all feel time. You, man. For sure. I hope it's the third one, but when they when it's right and and, and that everybody's talking about Half Life Three. I love Half Life, but Come where on. is Portal Three? Um, Steam OS exclusive. <laughs> all right, man. My number two um, is a game that is. Um, is is held in such a high regard by so many people that that it, it's often considered the best Western RPG of all time or or one of, right? Um, and yeah, I've I've really fought with this game over the years because I didn't see the vision for it at first. I knew it, it's big, it's great, it's got all these th- things you can do, but I it, it really didn't start to connect with me until um the remastered versions came out a couple of years ago uh, and when it turned out to come to Switch 2. Uh, and that's the Elder Scrolls V Skyrim. So Skyrim has a very special place in my heart because I think looking at the Elder Scrolls franchise, I always had a hard time getting into that series because Morrowind was a very PC-ass game and was so intricate and so multifaceted. It was almost overwhelming, despite how ugly it looked. And, you know, um, it, it was almost too open-ended to the point where I was intimidated to play the game. Um, and Oblivion was my first real attempt at getting into Elder Scrolls, but I felt almost the same type of intimidation factor of, I really don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to level up my character the right way. I don't know who any of these races are, these classes are. I don't know who I want to be. And why I would want to be them. So I just couldn't get into it. Skyrim, however, was the first time where I felt like Bethesda really figured out how to kind of introduce the Elder Scrolls the right way. Um, and not just assume you already had this bank of information about what the, the series is. So it was very accessible for the console gamer who maybe isn't as familiar as PC players are. Uh, and, and that kind of, that kind of essence trickled down to its gameplay, which I felt was much more accessible. Um, the leveling system was also much more accessible. Some people hate it, but I love the fact that it, that you would level up um, based on what you were actually doing as your character. So if you were uh, a swordsman, you would level up your one-handed sword skills um, as you used the swords more. Same goes for archery, same goes for magic, uh, things like that. Um, so it, it felt like I was getting a chance to... The game was kind of almost guiding me on how to level up my character properly because I didn't, I didn't want to you know pick the wrong... Yeah. There's nothing more annoying when you play an RPG than to dump all your experience points into a stat that ends up not being the best thing for your playstyle um and not knowing any better this game really fixed that problem by saying <laughs> no this is what you like to do so this is what you're going to get better at doing in the game and it really made you know coming into my own as my character in that game feel so much better um it used to be, be kind of at the bottom of my list but the reason why i bumped up to number two is because i i 
I think what I was trying to do back then is I was trying to play with swords because that just seemed like that's what the game wanted me to do from all the trailers and videos and stuff. Yeah. But when I got into the archer class, that's when the game opened up for me huge because I was I was I didn't have to fight through the first person melee combat thing, which I can't stand. Um, and I was able to just play it from a more ranged type of way and be stealthy, hide in shadows, take people out, um, and just be crafty that way. And man, once I did that, I could not put this game down. I, I dumped probably across all the, the versions I've bought of this game, I've probably dumped in around 200 hours um, in, in total, most wow. of which ironically on the Switch. Just because, you know, um, you know, it was available to me in that handheld way and I was still in that honeymoon period with the Switch where I, oh, I could take this and play it wherever I want. I was kind of enjoying that that too. I put a lot of time into that game and um, and I still miss it. I still, I'll, I'll download it again. I'll play it again. I'll install some mods. I'll fuck around with it some more, do some more missions and love it. And then for some reason, I'll just kind of drop off of it. I've never officially beaten the game. Never have. Um, but the, the, the type of stuff that, that game yeah. let me do, all the, um, like the Dark Brotherhood quest line and joining these different factions, like that to me was enough story to feel like I got a great experience out of it, even if I didn't finish the main thing. Um, but man, I, I, it doesn't hold up as well these days, but certain PC mods and console mods make up for that. But, um, still in all, man, I, I, I'm so glad I got to play that game because it, it just, it embarrassed so many other games with just the sheer depth, scope, beauty, and and options um, that it provided. So my number two definitely goes to Skyrim. Yeah, my number one is Deus Ex: Human Revolution, and and, and sure I think is. that's your number one too. So yeah, I mean, look, I, this game for me came out of nowhere. Uh, we've yeah. talked about this game before, and we talked about just kind of, but. I think for me, what this game did uh, was, again, kind of like with Portal 2. It took a story, a really super interesting story, and then it implemented that gameplay with the augmentations that really just kind of took it over the top. Like the game opens up and it's, you know, you're talking to Seraph and and, and you're kind of building this relationship. It, it feels like a kind of slow-paced RPG, talking to people whatnot. And then, you know, spoiler alert for the game, and then, you know, all hell breaks breaks loose. Literally, this this uh, mercenary team comes in, fucks you up, kills, or at least you think kills your your uh, your girlfriend or your ex girlfriend, and you know, then you go through the process of being augmented, and and, and that's when you know the game really kicks off. We had Joe Praxis <laughs> makes perfect. Uh, so talking you about Praxis, you, you um, <laughs> Praxis, talking about Praxis. You know, uh, but you know, these things you collect, the practice points is you put into abilities and, and you can really, again, it's one of those games that a lot of games do what it, yeah. it did then, especially, uh, even cyberpunk, you know, uh, play your own way, kind of figure out things your own way, do things your, your, in your own style. Uh, and this game really, I mean, it was one of the first to really kind of fully realize that into the next generation of video games, uh, and I and on console for that matter. And I really just—it's like 
it also the relationship you had with like for example uh frank uh frank oh, pritchard pritchard richard, yeah. Richard, pritchard <laughs> frank pritchard yeah where where you know he was you have this antagonist kind of like you fucking hate his guts but not really like and then the whole ending of the game itself which the director's cut rectified that terrible boss fight at the end of the game itself but you know and, and the questions that the game kind of explored uh you know what happened to jensen and, and, and how, how that wasn't really answered in the human revolution but i'm not in the mm-hmm. mankind divided but um Ultimately, I mean, just just everything that I like about the game. RPGs, love it. Just the uh, the story, I love it. Uh, just the, the the whole entire augmentation fighting and, and all that stuff. That all that's all of it. And also had the the thing that I like about asking, you know, talking to people. A crime nor because it was very yeah. much a crime nor uh, type of game. It had that element to it as well. Uh, and it was just, I mean. Everything about the and the game was so smartly done. Like it understood its limitations in terms of what it could and couldn't do, and so it wasn't this open world uh, environment where you can no. go in and do anything. But yeah. it was smaller areas where you can do anything in these smaller uh, places where it had a, a clear way. You, you know, you start the mission, you look back, you can't go back where you came from. Like it very, uh, very uh, small contained areas. But the it things was that way you more do intricate. within those areas was so. Yeah, it was so intricate that really just kind of like uh, it, it, it in a time where open world was what you did. That's what you that's what a triple A game was. Human Revolution didn't do that. And it managed to be in the year that was 2011, my favorite game of all time. And and it is one of my mm-hmm. favorite games of all time. It, it, we'll, we'll talk about that game probably later on gotcha. in the top 10 list. Yeah, I, um, I totally but agree. Man, man. It is absolutely it's astonishing yeah and i think i might i don't remember if i said this on another episode or not but you know for me this was the game that saved me when metal gear lost its way when metal gear solid 4 came out and that that experience just shit all over all my nostalgia and my hope for that series i was really kind of hoping that there would be another game that would come out of the woodwork that would be what what metal gear couldn't figure itself out to be when and that ended up being this game because mm-hmm. it it took everything that i hoped metal gear would focus on a great story great stealth gameplay in in you know i would say linear ish but you know not so linear areas that are very intricate to give you more options of approach um with special abilities and and a memorable cast of characters and it it just delivered on all those fronts and um the world itself man the look and feel of that the yellow tint everywhere some people hated it they called it a piss filter yeah, i yeah. called it amazing because you never saw a game like that before and it gave that game such an identity of yeah. its own that i really really appreciate about it and um it's a hard game to come back to uh, admittedly, I tried. I, I, I it it is yeah. desperately needing like an FPS boost, and then I would love it. But um, yeah. but I even now I, I just cannot um be more happy that I I tried this game out because I, again, as a stealth lover, you got to figure Splinter Cell was starting to go sideways, Metal Gear went sideways. So then what? You know, there was like what Thief, <laughs> like I, I I don't know. And so this this really saved the day for me and reminded me that you know I I love these types of games and I and I was hoping that Human Revolution would be the start of a new very lengthy run for Deus Ex, which didn't happen. Um, but it doesn't take away from the fact that this game was an all time great um, and one that I highly recommend if you can put up with you know, 30 frames that kind of gets a little choppy and a little bit of, you know, goofy design decisions once in a blue moon with the non-director's cut version, you'll have what is easily one of the best stealth uh, espionage games ever made. So 
I love it. Absolutely. Um, so with that being said, that wraps up our checkpoint chat. Um, that was pretty fun, man. Maybe we'll do that next year with we uh, when we go to like a 2012 and 2022 thing. We'll we'll try that out maybe. Um, yeah. But uh, for right now, it's time for the cooldown countdown. <laughs> you were supposed. To- Thank you. Come on. Uh, <laughs> um, all right, man. So as we had uh, outlined last episode, um, the cooldown countdown is um, a weekly thing. Or now, well, it will be a weekly thing we do, but it's going to be a rundown of our top ten video games of all time. So each week, we're going to give you another game on our list as we go from ten all the way up to one. And uh, to recap, my number ten game of all time was Final Fantasy VIII. And Pablo's number 10 game of all time uh, is uh, the incredible Dark Souls 3. So uh, with that being said, Pablo, why don't you give us your number nine uh, greatest video game of all time? Talk about it. My number nine greatest video game of all time is a game. I think the I think when a game becomes like one of the greatest games of all time for me is when it's usually a game that you're not expecting. And Celeste is my number nine game of all time. And that's a game that I had no a game that I bought because I'm Pablo, <laughs> because I buy everything. And holy shit, that game kind of just blew me away. Uh, you know, it, it's 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 a difficult uh, platforming type of game, side-scrolling, you know, things that you can roll your eyes at uh, because it's it's that all the indie games are either uh, some kind of form of this or, or something, you know, like it. But this game is deeper than that. This game is really about depression. It's about... Uh, you know, your self-worth and it ties all that into the game itself. Uh, it's difficulty and how you overcome that is directly correlated with how Madeline feels about herself. Uh, there's a point in the middle of the game where you literally have a split personality of that. You're, you're being chased by yourself and it is, and it is the, the, the darker parts of yourself that are chasing you and you're trying to run away from them because you don't want to accept them. And then once you finally accept that, you've become one again. The gameplay, all all the, all the all that I said, the gameplay reflects all of that. It, it gets to a point in, in, in Madeline's experience where she is probably at the most depressed. And that's when the game is the hardest. Uh, and, it, and it shows throughout at the very end of this game to kind of follow that theme. You have to climb the summit to get to, to, to Celeste, which is the mountain. Uh, uh, and you're climbing this mountain, and it's not hard. It's because you've overcome all your demons. You've, you you know your self-worth. You've accepted yourself for who you are. and But you implement everything you learned. You have to do everything you learned to get to the top. But it's very simple. It's the least, the most difficult part of the game because it's, it's a journey to the top of the mountain after you've finally reached... Uh, you know, after you've gone through this whole uh, kind of change within yourself, it's easy because you don't got that. You don't got that monkey on your back anymore. You you, you kind of reset that, and it's it's a very it's a moment where I'm like, yeah, this isn't hard. This is like the end of the game, and then you start realizing what's happening. It's easier and easier and easier and easier until you get to the top of the mountain, you beat the game, and it's like, oh shit! Like this, the whole game is just based on, on her emotions, on how she feels about herself, and then. Um, the DLC that came out afterwards, you know, it, it, it kind of gives you more background on who she is. And, and you know, and, and you understand that, you know, a lot of people talk about this game. Oh, she's trans. And they just implemented that at the end. No, no, they didn't. This, this was the point of the game where 
she just wasn't a depressive person because the game doesn't really go into details as to why she feels the same the way she feels and why she doesn't feel accepted. And it's not because she's just a depressive teenager. It's because she is going through a change in herself. She is becoming the person she wants to be, but fighting against the things that people think is wrong or, or, or don't want her to be this thing. And so fighting against that and in, in, in the DLC showing you even more of that, I mean... Um, it's just, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful game. And, and for me, it's just one of those games that I completely slack jawed. I was just completely blown away by everything. It's not in your face either. It's not about like, oh, this is about <laughs> depression. No, it's, it's, it's very much, you pick it up or you don't, you know, you either, you either understand yeah. what's happening or you don't. It's fine if you don't, you, cause you're enjoying a game that is also beloved by speedrunners it's it, it, it has its own commuter speedrunners and, and and it is on it, it works on many many levels and fantastic fucking game i recommend this game to pretty much anybody who loves video games honestly it's just it's it's great i probably suggest to get it on a on a console so did i played I. it on switch the first time and it was good but you know i i struggled a little bit more than i should because of the d-pad is not yeah. the best kind of that's the way i play it because of directional yeah it's just the best way of playing those kind of games. But yeah, Celeste is my number nine. It could be even higher on my list if you ask me tomorrow. Uh, but as it stands right now, just kind of going through everything. Um, yeah, yeah I remember. I remember when you were first playing it uh, on Switch and yeah. the barrage of text messages <laughs> that you yeah. sent me, man. Oh, it blew me away. It was like, yeah. you gave me no choice. You're like, you have to buy this yeah. now. You have to buy this now. And yeah. um, I, I never, I have to say, I'll be honest, I never beat it. I never beat it. Because it, yeah. it, at its core, the gameplay is just not for me. But when you when you get into some of the stuff about Madeline as a character and what everything represents in, in such a poetic and symbolic type of fashion, man, Absolutely. that's what makes video games special. And, and, and you want, Absolutely. you want it, you know, it, as fun as it is to talk about the Saints Row, the thirds of the world and stuff like that. I love that there are games <laughs> like Celeste that really push the envelope and, and really evoke something out of you. Um, besides just, wow, what a great game, you know, or wow, how, how cool was that combat yeah. or whatever? Um, and really make you, uh, immersed in, in who these people are as characters. It's, it's something that, you know, people think only can, novels can achieve or films can achieve. And that's not, that's not true at all. Or, or triple A games, yeah, with high yeah, like because this game is is is, is art, it's it's the art style. It's it, there's nothing there's there's money behind the game sure. like any other game, but yeah. it, it's not a triple A game. Yeah, it, but it's 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 but it's the power of storytelling and 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 and, and telling the story in a way that again isn't ham fisted or trying to to, to kind of this is what yes. you should be feeling now. <laughs> no, 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 it's you yeah. feel it or you don't. And you can enjoy it as a regular ass fucking side scrolling. Uh, yeah, you know, absolutely, platform. man. Great so, pick. My fantastic. number nine uh, for me is Persona Five. Um, I have contended for ever since I beat this uh, this game that pound for pound, it might very well be the greatest JRPG ever made. Um, there are there are things you could find. There are elements of JRPGs you can find better elsewhere. Um, is it the best music of all time? No, but it's damn close. I think I think Chrono Trigger probably know. takes that. It's pretty it's close. The best combat of all time. Yeah. It's damn it's damn high up there, but no, you can probably think of a few games that are probably a little bit better. But I would say just by the sum of its parts, it does everything at such a high level that it cumulatively cannot be touched by I, I don't think any other JRPG out there. Um, and that's that's saying a lot for a game 
that has, you know, such amazing competitors over the years of, of JRPG history with Chrono Trigger and with Final Fantasies and, uh, you know, Xeno Gears and, uh, you know, just the list goes on and on. And, and, and this game to me really mastered all of it. Um, I talked about Persona 4 Golden at the beginning of the show. And, um, one of the things that makes Persona 5 so much better than its own previous work is it figured itself out in terms of we want to be a stylish, um, memorable game with an unforgettable cast of characters that do more than just the usual, hey, my home village burned down. Now I'm going to go and assemble a crew and find some long haired swordsman with you know um <laughs> the intention of of destroying the world and rebuilding anew and being as gods like every other jrpg out there this was a game that was really tapping into the human psyche um when it comes to you know the skeletons people have in their closet and tucking away all the bad things that that make some people who they are whether it's um you know manipulating people using people for their own benefit or just the awful shit like you know kind of harassing kids you know uh, or trying to sexually so you know it 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 dabbles in a lot of that in a very in a very respectful way but in a way that feels really gratifying when you see that these kids are really just trying to make a difference in the world and and, and um, as as probably um, Ryuji would say, just get back at those shitty adults. Um, so, you know, very few games leave me feeling empty after I beat them. And, you know, Witcher 3 is an example of that. Um, the Last of Us is an example of that where I, yeah. it, a game will be so good that it ruins gaming for me for a while. And I just have to take a break because nothing I play will, will ever feel as good. And it's like, it, you know... Nothing will ever be as good as that. Why play video games again? And, you know, this was one of those times where, you know, I played 90 plus hours of this. And by the time all of, you know, this, this, this cast of characters, you know, started to go and leave and, and move on and move away from each other again, it was heartbreaking, man. It was like, oh man, I really was attached to these characters, all of their nuances, all of their quirks, all the things that made them so unique to get to know, uh, and bond with, um, it was it was so bittersweet, but um, you know we had a sequel that came out this year that is it was pretty solid, but you know uh, not not the greatest thing in the world. Um, but it, it doesn't take away from the fact that this game has has just stuck with me ever since I beat it. Um, this this pick is really whether you want to say Persona Five or Persona Five Royal, it, it, it doesn't matter to me. I think the original game's ending was a lot better uh, than Royal's ending, but uh, still in all. This is a game that no one should miss. If you've ever had a faint appreciation for JRPGs, um, it, it, I think I believe the original Persona Five is free if you have the PlayStation Plus thing, uh, that, that that free collection of games that you can play. Even if it's not, um, which I think it is, you should buy it anyway, and and you will be treated to an absolutely stunning, stylish, and unforgettable experience. Um, and uh, I got Pablo to like it for a little while, so I'm at least happy about that. <laughs> a 60 60 hours yeah worth, man you know? so um but i even then even with 60 hours into it i i i can pretty it much had its hooks in for know, a while yeah i agree with 
yeah, I can I can agree with you. I think a lot of it uh, has to do with uh, when, when it first came out. Other things came out that distracted me, and then the game. It's it was an older game. Royal came out, and I played it, but other games were out. So it's yeah. just it has less to do about the game and just circumstantial kind of kind of why uh, Skyrim isn't on my uh, on my uh, list because I, I I have not played more than ten hours of that game, and most of it was also on Switch. I went on a trip and I brought my <laughs> Switch and I bought that game with the intention of getting in on it, but you know it just yeah. didn't really happen. I, it just it missed me. It's a game, yeah, man. Anyway, yeah. Well, that's gonna wrap up today's show so until next time be sure to give our podcast a sub and follow us at cooldown time pod on twitter and instagram that way our toxic ass opinions will always be in your fov you're welcome and we'll see you next time